Um, Channel 10. <laughs> Hello, Channel 10 podcast listeners. We have a bit of a public service announcement. If you listen on our iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, we need you guys to subscribe and like and rate and comment. Uh, by doing that, you help us to reach a greater audience, get the numbers up, and um, allow us to keep delivering this dope content to you. So um, please go and do that. Rate, subscribe, listen on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Also, as always, this episode is brought to you by Audible. Through Audible, you can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial by going to audibletrial.com slash channel 10. There you'll have over 180,000 audiobook uh, titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player device. Um, If you like listening to podcasts, you'll definitely like listening to um, such a wide selection of audiobooks that are out there. And also, as always, go check out channel10podcast.com where you can find all of our episodes, um, our articles, and also you can find all of our social media contacts to hit us up on there. And also you can support the podcast by shopping through our Amazon link, which is uh, at the top. So with no further ado, public service announcement over. Let's get into the show. We used to be like CNN Channel 10. And we used to think that people would catch on. No, but like, if you're not from Queens, <laughs> if you don't got Time Warner or whatever, <laughs> like, well, I didn't know that. Do it, yo. yo, what up, man? It's a different channel, son. What up, on, man? What up? Watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. It's all good. What up? All good, baby, in every hood, son. What up, yo? CNN, Network, Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo, crime lace, cast more beef than Scarface. CNN, Network, Channel 10, it's on again. Street niggas that's grown men, bold face, gather your face. Stay in place, yo. Call is now being recorded. We're going to get right into it. Um, it's your man, the almighty ARR, Chick Articulate in the building, and I'm alongside. Single Superior. And uh, this is the Channel 10 Podcast, and today we have a um, Baltimore music legend on the podcast with us by the name of DJ Bullman. Bullman, what's going on? What's good, man? Ain't nothing, just chilling. That's what's you know what up. I'm actually in the lab right now, just chilling out or whatever. I was actually listening to some records a little bit, some stuff I pulled uh, when I was out in uh, York, PA this past weekend. Oh, where you were uh, digging spot. out there? Yeah, yeah, I went up, and they got a lot of crazy spots out there, man. Crazy. Man, um, if you don't mind, uh, what were you just listening to? Um, I had, Let me see what, the, what I got in the stack. All right. I got a, I just pulled a 10-wheel drive joint. Um, I got a couple of, like, Jewish records that, you know what I'm saying, they just look crazy. It was actually mm. a real slick break on one of them. Mm. Um, what else I got? Two records from Brian Auger Express. Uh, got an old OJ's joint. Um, what else I got? A Jerry Butler album, the uh, Iceman Come Up. That joint kind of slick. Got a couple little cuts on there, so a couple little mm. things. That's what's mm. Got another That's copy of that Tommy Rowe record with them drums on there, so I grabbed that again too for like a buck, so that was cool. Oh man, you just mm. uh, you just revealed one of the big secrets right there. <laughs> <laughs> Word. 
<laughs> I'm about to be up in York this weekend. <laughs> yeah, uh, man, they got like a good, a good, easy, like five, six spots up there. This that like you wouldn't even expect. You know what I'm saying? Like it's crazy. Mm, mm. Um. So, um, like, what are you working on these days? Um, you know, what you gonna uh, do with those records? You working on some club stuff, some hip hop stuff, or just listening? Um, yeah, a little bit of both, really. I'm actually, um, right now I'm working, um, about them, like, probably like maybe two percent into my album. I'm actually working on my own album, um, mm. now where I'm just, you know, just uh, pulling MCs that, you know, either I work with in the past or you know, dudes I respect. I'm just actually just doing a slew of beats right now, and then I'm, you know, start approaching cats about. You know, putting stuff. I mean, I already talked to you know, put the button in a couple people ears. So I'm just doing beats right now, trying to get a pool of beats to you know to figure out what I'm gonna put on the album. So uh, now, is that album going to be on um, Unruly? Uh, nah, this is actually this is something that's probably gonna be uh, just independent, you know, on my own or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Um, I am working on some um, you know, some new stuff, some new club stuff as well. So you know, I got a, I got actually a bunch of stuff going on right now. Just. Trying to right now, I'm just in the in the production mode though. You know, everything just feeling out what I'm gonna do and you know what direction that kind of stuff. That's so. what's up. And um, I've seen some of your videos, that, like of you in the um in the studio working on stuff. Um, yeah. I I guess to like you know kind of segue into the history and everything. How how different is your um process now than when you um first started and as your career evolved? Um, I mean, really, the only difference is probably just the uh, the equipment. Like, you know, when I first started, I mean, when I originally started, it was just, you know, I really started out just DJing. So um, I, you know, got a hold of my homeboy, little, uh, yeah, like a four track, you know, tape machine joint. Mm-hmm. So I really started doing stuff like that. But when I really got into really producing heavy, uh, you know, I was using the ASR 10 for the most part. That was my weapon of choice for, you know, for years, for everything, for the club stuff and uh, all the hip hop stuff. And then, um, you know, as I went on, started getting into software and all that kind of stuff, I, you know, kind of progressed that way. But, I, you know, I still like to grab the machines whenever, I, you know, I can still do something on the machines or whatever. But right now I'm just I'm like mainly using Reason, uh, Ableton, and um, sometimes I use Logic. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It just depends. But Reason is probably what I'm doing the most on. But the, mm-hmm. the rest of the process really ain't that much different. It's just, the you know, the actual stuff I'm putting the sounds into. But I'm still, you know, on the records and, you know. Still digging, still DJing, like that. That's never gonna stop. You know what I'm saying? Mm. You know, yeah. You know, know also, um, in these videos, you have it seems like you have a quite an array of keyboards. So, uh, um, so uh, when you produce, what's your main keyboard of choice? Um, right. I mean, well, they most of those. Well, the keyboards you probably see in there, they 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 pretty much all um just USB. Uh, you know, just just like you know, basically just controllers. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I, okay. most, I get most of the sounds from a lot of the software and stuff like that. So, so I've been, you know, so I got, uh, you know, I got the M audio joints. I'll be using them. To, I got like the full size one. And I got a little smaller one that I use. And then I got like a little, real little one that like if I'm, in, you know, on the road or something or, you know, in the hotel room, I can still do stuff on my laptop or whatever. Absolutely. Plus, I've been, I've been doing a lot of stuff on, um, actually, I got an iPad mini and, um, in our MPC, they got a joint called IMPC, and it actually is like, you know, damn close to the real joint. And I, you know, you can do stuff in that joint too. It's crazy. Like you can chop, you know, you can do everything you can do in the regular one, pretty much. You know, it's, it's not expanded as the, you know, of course, the real hardware. But you know, when you're on the run, you can definitely bang out on the uh, on the IMPC joint too. That's what's up. That's what's up. 
Yeah, so um, I guess uh, going back to um, how you started and everything, like like like, where did the music bug like really hit you, and how did you first get into it? Um, probably like most people, well, my, you know, my pops was in a um, he was a, in a singing group called the Mondells. They um, kind of like a you know, kind of legendary. I, I want to say like they were kind of popular at the you know in the, in the time when they were out, and they mm-hmm. um actually was you know they was you know pretty popular to the point where they almost was, you know was about to get signed, but. Like a lot of groups, you know, members broke up and all that kind of stuff. So they never really fully got to do that thing. I think they put like uh, maybe a couple 45s out. And um, I'm actually, you know, in the process of trying to find, you know, the reels and stuff. Because my pops was telling me that, you know, they had albums recorded, but they got left at, you know, this uh, particular studio. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to track a lot of that stuff down, me and my brother. But um, I, mean, I pretty much started like that, you know what I'm saying? You know, just being in the studio with my uncles and my father. And, they, you know, they had a band and all that stuff. So... I was just around it so much. And then I got pictures of, you know, me just being in front of the studio with records and all that kind of stuff. So it just kind of progressed from there. And then when I got to about 10 or 11, I, um, my um, my god brother is, is uh, Sean Marshall. You know what I'm saying? So, I, you know, I saw him coming up. And then, um, you know, I, I went to this party on the west side with my cousin. And I finally got to see DJs playing live. Mm-hmm. And from the time mm-hmm. I was I was like 11 years old, I, I never left the turntables that night. I never left from around the turntables. I was so amazed at what they was doing. And that sure enough, that Christmas, I was like, that's all I wanted. I wanted turntables and a mixer, begged my parents to get it. And then, you know, from there, I, you know, ever since then, you know, what I'm saying from like 10, 11 years old, that's all I ever wanted to do. So, um, so. So around what time period are we talking? Are we talking like the late eighties or the early nineties? Uh, you're talking. If I was eleven, it had to be at least eighty two, something like that. I was born okay. in seventy two, so yeah, yeah, you figure like eighty two, eighty three, something like that, somewhere around there. What were some of the um, first records that that you remember spinning? Um, that I remember spinning. Uh, well, I know the probably one of the first records I got. I actually um. My mother won this record uh, off of, off of, I think it was V103 back then. Oh, yeah. It was, a, it was like a Sugar Hill compilation. It had like um, Sequence and, uh, you know, Sugar Hill Gang and all that stuff on there. I, like, I remember I remember having that record. And then I remember, you know, just having access to all my, my pops records. He had a whole lot of Blue, Blue Note Jazz and, um, I mean, everything. James Brown and, you know, Marvin Gaye, all that kind of stuff. So, like, I used to listen to that stuff early. And then... Um, you know, like, you know, like everybody else around that time, though, I was getting, you know, I was getting Run DMC, you know, and anything that was out, you know, the the classic New York stuff. I was, you know, just getting all that stuff and trying to buy it as much as I could or get my parents to buy me records and stuff like that to, like, you know, got some money to start buying my own records. Hmm. So you so you you mentioned in an interview that you've pretty much you've done every form of, uh, of hip hop, you know, from graffiti to um to dancing and everything like that, but DJing pretty much like kind of uh, stuck with you. But um, I was I was always curious to know. So we we're talking about the early '80s in Baltimore. So I know how you know we have the East Coast and the West Coast, and I was always curious to know was more side what was one side of Baltimore you know more uh, I guess let's say more hip hop than the other, or was it like a, a certain spe- a specific area where you would go for for graffiti or for break dancing or something something to that effect? I mean, it was really it was it was so much like once the once the culture kind of you know infiltrated in the, in the area, it was pretty much 
everything just took over. It was really wherever we was. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I used to try to beatbox. And, I mean, so it was from the time you, you know, went to school to, I mean, wherever you was, you was trying to do something. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I can't really say that it was uh, more east or west or whatever because I, I remember going to parties on, you know, on both sides of town and, um, you know, just, you know, doing doing little mixtapes in school. and You know what I'm saying? Just all the little stuff that, like, so it was just really everywhere. Like, once the culture hit, that was it. It was just, that's all you really wanted to do all day, every day. You know what I'm saying? Even if you're just in school scribbling on the on your notebook or, you know what I'm saying, you you know, at lunchtime, you're banging on the tables or you're trying to do a little beatbox or, you um you know, I remember being with my cousins just listening to records. I remember listening to, like, um UTFO and records like that and sitting there rewinding it until we, we would write the lyrics down until we'd learn the song to where we could recite the song. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what we did when we was younger. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you wanted to make sure you knew everybody's song word for word. So when you get around people, you can just rap the other. I know this song. You know what I'm saying? Like, that kind of thing. So it was just, it just took over when, when you know, once it really hit. So it was crazy. Who were, um, who were some of, like, the biggest early Baltimore rappers? Um... I mean, you talking about, uh, it was a lot of crews. It was like the We Rock crew. It was, um, Charm City crew. Um, trying to think who else. The New Marks, of course, was like a DJ crew that later turned into, you know, um, Kevin Lyle. doing anything. Um, I think it was, uh, I went to school with one dude from, I think it was the Z3MCs. Um, my man Clifford, he went to, I went to school with him. I can't remember what, um, what year it was, but he was in the Z3MCs. So it was it was a lot of a lot of you know like a lot of crews like that that was kind of making a lot of noise, you know what I'm saying? And they would do like they would do parties on different different parts of the city, like the little school jams and stuff like that. But they was you know they was real popular in the city, and then there was a lot of you know like popular little DJ crew like the New Mux was a real popular DJ crew. But for the most part, it was like Charm City crew, We Rock crew. They was real heavy, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so um. And, you know, um, when did, uh, I guess, club music start to come into the play? Um, I would say, because really it, it started, the way it started was, you know, um, Baltimore was a real big house music town. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. house music was, you know, was already a staple. And then sort of when we came in in like the late 80s, early 90s, you know, we, we caught the part of, you know, you know, just getting, we was barely young enough or, you know, barely old enough to get in the club. So we, you know, actually we, we were lied to get in the clubs and stuff like that. Yeah. And so we would get in the clubs and we got experience with the house music, but at the same time, we, you know, was fully into hip hop. So, you know, house music was cool. House music was dope. It was, uh, that's what it was back then, but we was just a, our generation was a little more hard to edge. So like as these, we was getting these records from, uh, you know, from Chicago, from, uh, overseas, all these imports and stuff like that. Just the way, kind of the way hip hop started, it was it was like we would hear these little small breaks in the house records that just sounded way harder to us. Like, so that's kind of how that came about. We was we would play these records and just play those parts of the records, and then you know it, it, the you know the direction we took it, it was just a little harder edge, you know, harder edge. So you had a whole lot of DJs that just started playing those types of breaks on those you know those records it could be disco techno whatever the record was you know what i'm saying it could be uh you know the, the luke records or whatever whatever was out that had a little hard edge to it and you know we was playing that stuff so then we got from we kind of progressed from there 
to like, oh shit, we 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 can go ahead and start looping this stuff now. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like we got a little four second sample or something, so we started looping the little breaks, and then from there it was like, you know, a couple years more down the line, it's like, all right, so now we making these tracks. Now we want to start saying whatever we say in the club or in the parties on the tracks. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So then you start having us, you know, saying little 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 blurbs and stuff like that, and then just putting it all in the track. So I mean, it really kind of the, the same way that you know hip hop came about. It was all about the breaks. It was really no difference. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no difference with the BPM a little bit. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, just BPM is faster. You know what I'm saying? But we mm. was using a lot of the same breaks that they use. You know, in hip hop, we just was speeding a lot of the stuff up. You know what I'm saying? Because it was a, it was still a you know like predominantly a dance you know dance town when, when you go to those clubs. It was still dance stuff. So you know, mm. we just wrote it out like that. So. So during um, this early, during the early um, stages of club music, was mm-hmm. there um, a particular um, uh, beat machine that was like kind of like primarily used by uh, the earlier club musicians, like the ASR10 or the uh, Esonic EPS, to uh, to kind of like maintain that that grimy gritty sound? Yeah, you definitely. I mean, you just named it right there. It was the EPS, and then um, you know the EPS was slick, but you know the EPS was a little limited because of the it was it was real gritty, but then when that when that when the ASR ten dropped, that was it. Mm-hmm. Everybody was going crazy. Like, you know what I'm saying? One of the first dudes that we knew that had the ASR ten, it was like, yo, once we saw it, it was like, yo, it's got more time, more sampling time, it's got all the keys and all that stuff. So that was pretty much once one person had it, everybody started getting them. And I actually my, um, my homeboy that uh you know that actually um was the the owner of the label that I put some of my first record first hip hop records out with Aunt Boogie. He actually had an ASR ten, so he I, he let me hold his ASR ten. So I had his for a long time, and that's how I made a lot of my first beats. And you know, some of the very first stuff that I made was um, on my my other homeboys in Sonic on his EPS. I actually didn't even know how to use the EPS. I just had records, you know, because I was a DJ. I had the records. I knew what I wanted to sample. I just didn't know how to physically do it. So he would come over. I would tell him what to put in there, and how to arrange it and stuff. And he would just make, you know, that's how I made a lot of the early stuff. So I didn't really know how to, you know, how to really tweak it yet. And then, you know, from then on, I started learning it. But by the time I got to the ASR 10, I was a fanatic. I was just like, you know what I'm saying? It was crazy. What was your um your vision like back then? Like, you know, was it just like we having a good time and everything? Or was it more like um after a while, like we can really do something with this and blow this up? Yeah, I mean, it started out. It started out just on some, you know, just neighborhoods. Like the the thing was, we was trying to just be the biggest DJs in the neighborhood. So once we figured out that we could make these little records and have our own little niche, you know what I'm saying? Like that was it. You know what I'm saying? We, so we started making our own joints, and then we would have them on cassette and then just play them at a party because we had something that nobody else had. So that actually kind of gave us a name. You know what I'm saying? Around the neighborhood and all that stuff. So that was kind of initially what it was. And then um, I, I think the the very first time that that we made Watch Out for the Big Girl, this was pre-Unruly. Um, mm-hmm. These dudes had approached us. They had a studio. They had two-inch reels and all that stuff. We we actually initially recorded Watch Out for the Big Girl on a two-inch reel in this studio. You know what I'm saying? Because they, you know, they was like, yo, we saw how the record is when y'all play it certain places. And we you know we want to we try to put it out. So we actually recorded it there. And from then on, I started seeing like, damn, this might could really turn into something. You know what I'm saying? And then by the time we got around to, um, you know, when Sean and Scotty and it was really starting to do Unruly, it was like, all right, we started 
doing these records. So it was like, all right, so they, you know, people was coming to us like, yo, we'll 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 press this record up and we'll give you five hundred dollars or we give you eight hundred dollars. You know what I'm saying? So in, in the beginning, it was just a flip. It was like, damn, we can do this in my mother's basement and then get, you know, what I'm saying I'm walking away with <laughs> money in my pocket. I'm like, yo, so I'm walking around at that time. We just at that point, we just making a whole bunch of joints anyway. So all these labels was wanting the tracks, so they wanted to put them out, and I was like, "Shit, I'm gonna just do them and put them out and just get the cash." You know what I'm saying? I wasn't really label oriented or business oriented back then. I just knew I loved it, and I knew that I could make money from it. So that's kind of how it went in the early days. So it was, it was just, you know, like yo, you know, and and, and at the same time, we was getting so much uh, attention. You know what I'm saying? It was like, yo, we just building the name, and this is just stuff we was doing anyway in the basement, just making, you know. Little stuff for our parties and stuff, so it, was, mm-hmm. it just got crazier and crazier. So, so, um, so, so around this time, uh, was club music getting any type of airplay on the radio? Uh, very little. It was at that time probably next to none. Um, I know Frank Ski eventually, when he was on the air, he had uh, you know, started infiltrating it a little bit into you know his mixes that he was doing on the airways, but. It really wasn't, a, um, you know, and that's the thing. The reason they called it club music because it was strictly for the clubs. Like, most of the time, we didn't even make clean versions and all that kind of stuff. It was straight. This is how we make it. And that because that was the reason why, like, when people, you know, listen to that sound, even to this day, the way we still make those records is we make them for the club so that we wasn't really worried about compression and all. Like, we made them because... Out the clubs down here had some of the best systems in, the, in on the East Coast. You know what I'm saying? You talking about like Godfrey's and Odell's and, and Club Fantasy and all these places like that. They had major systems. So when we made records to, to get played, you know, like in the Paradox or something like that, it's because of, we used to make them for the system. So it's like we weren't really worried about the levels. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't know how we didn't really care how it sounded on the air, on the radio or in somebody's headphones and not like that because we made it strictly for the club. So. And that actually turned into like a signature sound that people was trying to wonder what we was doing. We was like, we wasn't really doing that. It wasn't no science to it. We was just, we would make it in the ASR 10, run it through the board, straight to the DAT. Yeah, I know a lot of people. Tracks, we wasn't compressing nothing. We wasn't doing none of that. We was just like, yo, push the levels as before there's enough so it don't distort. And that was it. Yeah, I think a lot of people still, you know, you try not to distort, but I know a lot of people got their um got their speakers blown out by the bass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, cause it's it's just crazy. It's obnoxious, you know what I'm saying? And it's but the way when you hear it in the club, that's how you're supposed to hear it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's originally how you're supposed to hear club music. You're supposed to hear it in, in the in the clubs. It really wasn't made for radio because you know the radio puts a certain amount of compression on stuff anyway. So yeah. like mm-hmm. it's, it's really made for the end because I actually went to the Paradox um my man Mark Henry had a uh, party down there a couple weeks ago. We went and, you know, a lot of the old dudes was down there. We was just listening. Like, Rod Braxton had came down to play. He was playing all the old tracks. And I was like, damn, this what this shit was made for. It wasn't made for nothing else. You know what I'm saying? Like, you gotta, if you really want to hear clubbers, you gotta go to the Paradox and hear it like that. That's the way you really need to hear it in its own context. You know what I'm saying? So you'll know exactly what it's about. Because some people... You know, they was getting on it because they didn't understand it when they started hearing it on the radio. Like, why is it repeating this amount? And why are you just doing the same thing? Because it wasn't meant for you to listen to it like that. You know what I'm saying? It was meant for you to be in the club dancing to it. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's and, all it was. And that's another thing, too, because um, also uh, d- uh, during during this period, you know, there are like, um, uh, you know, a lot of clubs all over Baltimore during this time. Right. 
and crazy. Um, yeah, and I was I was I always wondered because um I I always hear you know from my brother and you know um, other people time period there were so many clubs and I I was always curious to know like like you know what uh, what happened because you know there aren't as many um yeah. you know as compared to back then do you have like any idea of what, what happened with that I mean I honestly I don't know the I know it was some uh political stuff behind it a lot of that stuff but you know and the, the violence you know a lot of the violence shut down a lot of these spots cuz I mean it was I mean I couldn't even name how many clubs it was like you had your choice all week, especially on the weekends or where exactly you was going to go. And outside of the clubs, then you're talking about all the major college parties, mm-hmm. um, any, you know, any type of hall. Like, it was just, I mean, it was it was so live back then that it was crazy. You know what I'm saying? I, I know that, you know, I know as far as the clubs go, I know the, the political part played a lot in it. Um, you know, as far as, you know, them, you know, I, I don't know exactly the ins and outs of that part, but I just know that that played a big part. And then, you know, a lot of these clubs, just the violence just kind of, you know, shut down a lot of spots, stuff like that. So, cause it was, mm-hmm. I mean, it was incredible the amount of club. You wouldn't even believe, like when you look at it, look at the city now and look at it back then, you wouldn't even believe how many clubs was open right back then. It was, it was insane. And it's amazing yeah. too, because, um, um, we were just talking, um, about, uh, hip hop, and like how there aren't as many hip hop venues and the hip hop venues keep getting shut down. And it's kind of like a weird parallel that I never really, um, you know, until you started talking about it, I never really um, knew about, you know, between hip hop and club music and how the progression is kind of the same and how you don't have the same thing. So like back then where there's like a lot of more hip hop venues as well. Yeah, yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it wasn't as many, but it was a lot of the the hip hop community had we kind of had our own things going on like even even down to the like there was legendary like battles down at the inner harbor like everybody would just all the crews everybody around that thought they was nice would come down to the harbor and get it in you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and there was battles going on all the time it, you know what i'm saying all this competition and then it was you know it was it was more venues going on as far as hip hop too you know what I'm saying? And you had, you had like Supreme Imperial, you had like, uh, I mean, it was, and even the spots that had, um, you know, that had club music and stuff, they would still do certain nights, they would do, uh, you know, hip hop events and stuff like that. So, you know, it was still a lot of that stuff going on hip hop wise as well. It was just, you know, like that was just a good time for, you know, for music down here. Like, you know, we wasn't like nationally, nationally recognized with a lot of stuff, but it was a lot of stuff going on down here, just, you know, self-contained. So, now was there um was there um kind of like a uh competition or like any type of friction between the club and the hip hop scenes or did they kind of melt a little bit? Oh uh, yeah, no, nah, they was it was definitely uh everybody that was in the hip hop world thought that, you know, the reason once club music started getting popular, started getting played on the radio and in the clubs and all that stuff, all the dudes that was kind of not going to say all, but a good amount of people that was in hip hop blamed club music for the reason why Baltimore hip hop never got on or never got, you know, like never had a wave where, you know, they got signed and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and, I, and the thing is, I kind of rolled both things because I was hardcore underground and then I was hardcore club music and I would hear it from both sides. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the hip hop dudes was like, yo, why are you fucking with the club music? Club dudes like, yo, you still messing with them dirty underground dudes? And <laughs> it was, that's how it was, like back and forth. But, you know, I love both of them. So, even to this day, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I still do both. Like, I, you know, it's, it's no difference to me. 
You know what I'm saying? But, you know, to back then it was it was, you know, it's still a lot of the same still though. It's, we still get the same kind of kind of thing, you know what I'm saying? But now it's just, you know, now club music isn't as prevalent as it used to be, you know what I'm saying? But back then, that was all it was. Every yeah. other day I used to hear the same thing. It's like, yo, you yo, you the reason y'all the reason why we not on and all this other I'm like, ah oh, man, I don't understand that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I um um I was always wondering because now it seems like um the market for club music is more so outside of Baltimore and, and like other places. So I yeah. was wondering like like when did it start to branch out to um other places cuz I remember, you know, when I was younger, um I used to, you know, be in New York uh mm-hmm. you know, um during the summers and when I was in, like, you know, like um middle school even like elementary school sometimes yeah. late at night you would hear club music on the radio in new york and stuff like that and i was like oh man they playing this here too and i i never quite realized that it was just a baltimore thing you know when i was really 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 young or not like just a baltimore thing but you know um i thought it was more um, um prevalent and everything so when when did the branch out to other markets start to happen and how did that have an effect i would say uh I mean, it was a little pockets of it in the 90s, but when it got to, like, early to mid-2000s, when, um, you know, it was a couple of, like, we started getting, uh, uh, you know, a few people came, used to come down and, and kind of hang out and mesh with a lot of the dudes here. Like, you know, you had my man Tamil from, uh, from Jersey. Um, you had Diplo, who's, like, you know, world-renowned now. He, he was, he started getting into it. And, you know, it was dudes like that that actually got into it and, and took it and spread it, you know, way out. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I think he was one of the, you know, people that played a major part in it, you know, being out there. Like, everybody was aware of it, though. You know what I'm saying? That's the thing, because the thing is, everybody that came down to college knew learned about it. If you if yeah. you came down and went to Morgan or something like that, then you knew about club music. You know what I'm saying? Or, or on the other end, if you was from Baltimore and you went to East UMES or any of those other schools like that, you was taking that, you know, pocket of it with you. Cause you know what I'm saying? Like I actually, um, when I, I went to Howard, my first year of college and I went to Howard one of my too. homeboys <laughs> came and found me. And like, I, I didn't even, I hadn't even talked to him, you know, in, in probably months since I, you know, when I first left to go to school. So somebody mm-hmm. knocks on my door and I see there's him and I'm like, yo, how did you find me? I swear to God. This, he was like, yo, you the only nigga in this, in here, in this dorm room playing club music. You know what I'm saying? And that's how he was like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like yo I had to be somebody from here so he was like I just knocked on the door that's why you like, stayed in uh, Drew Hall and I stayed in um what's the oh what the hell is that it's a long time ago um uh, uh I wanna say uh oh, fuck is that street I wanna say was it Elm Street up there or uh okay I know what you're nah, talking about yeah 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 that, yeah it was kinda down in the it was like kinda off campus slow yeah, hall can't remember the name of it though, honestly. I think totally it was Slow Hall, Slow Hall, like off of like Fourth Street and all of that. Yeah, it was. De- yeah, it was definitely off the campus. Because de- I remember it was like an alley. Uh, I remember uh, it was like some go go bands that lived yeah. like in the good part, and they was you know playing all the time. I mean, no. only went, I went, like a year, and I came back and went to uh, went to Morgan. Okay. Huh. Well, uh, yeah, was- <laughs> did they and did did, uh, did this dorm have shower closets? Yeah, it was it was okay, a little Meridian. You were, yeah. yeah, it was just a little, all, I, all I had in my room was the bed and the little sink. You know what I'm saying? I had to go out to go to use the shower. 
You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. You were either in Slow or uh, Meridian up on 16th Street because I stayed, I stayed in Meridian and I stayed in Drew and I stayed in the Towers when I went there. Um, yeah. And what's crazy is, you know, I went to Howard in uh, 05 and I remember um, the cool thing about Howard was it exposed me to music from like all different regions that, you know, was kind of like the underground music from there. And I remember the DJs from the party they would always play like the music from different regions because everybody was, was from all different places. And whenever they hit that Baltimore, you know, set in there um, or that Baltimore part of their set, like it just went way crazier than anything else. And I just always felt that pride. <laughs> it was crazy. It, it was like that. And that's the thing. That's how you got, you know, got to know all of these different um you know, different styles of music and stuff like that. Because I never really was on go-go. Like I didn't, I never, I hated go-go. But Until when I, went live? To it, I went to a one, when I went to it, I was like, "Yo, this is crazy." I seen yeah. how the girls react to it. I was like, "Yo, this is crazy." They start that's when I really got respectful and started like it because I was like, I didn't really, I didn't understand it until I really went to one. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah. I was the same way. Yep. Um, now when it started to branch off, because you know they have the whole thing. You talked about um, DJ Tamil and everything, um, and you know they have the whole Jersey Club and Philly Club thing. Was there like a big competition between that two, or was everybody kind of together? Because you said that you were kind of like hanging out with these guys. Yeah, I mean back then it was well, you know Tamil and um and like my man uh, Sega laid on what Sega yeah. was doing stuff in Philly. You know, they actually like Tamil, like literally he, he used to come down and, and buy records at the record store and all that stuff. And he actually was like, yo, I, he physically was like, yo, I want to take this to to uh he was like, I want y'all blessing to to be able to take this, you know, back to Jersey and, and you know, start my own thing. Mm-hmm. So that was why he was it was so cool with him, because it was like, yo, he actually paid homage was like, yo, this is, I, you know, I love what y'all doing. I want to be the, a division of this in jersey you know what i'm saying and we still tight to this day because you know he just can't like most people don't do that most people you know like a lot of the, the younger dudes now from wherever they are they'll they'll claim that it's theirs or claim you know what i'm saying but it's not you know he always was like yo i know where it originated and all that kind of stuff so it's so uh, you know he always he actually did it you know a lot of those cats did it the right way you know what i'm saying like came down with us and you know it was, was buying the records and going to record stores coming to the events and all that stuff so I never knew that because, um, you know, during the research, you know, when I was looking up, you know, different interviews and stuff that you did, um, I came across an interview. It might have been with DJ Tamil. It was from somebody from Jersey, and they were talking about the difference between Jersey Club and Baltimore Club. And they were saying how, like, in Baltimore, it's more, like, horn-based. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they chop samples more and stuff like that. I was wondering what you thought about that. Yeah, I mean, they, like... They they try to make a distinct. I mean, it's it's some distinct things that you know, as far as the BPMs and the kind of ways that they chop things. It, you know, with the Jersey Club, especially now, it's a little different from back then. Because back then, what Tamil was doing was it was different, but it was still you know along the lines of what we was doing. But mm-hmm. it, you know, it kind of went a different way later on. But even in Baltimore, it went a different way with the younger cats. You know what I'm saying? But you know, it, they it, a people a lot of people try to make the distinction just to kind of separate themselves from it. You know what I'm saying, but it, you know, it's kind of the same break, same you know, but yeah. it's just the way that the style and you know that they was doing it. But it definitely that style is as ours. That's where you know that's where it originated. Even though we was taking parts from different things, the mm-hmm. way that we did it, nobody else was doing it like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, because like I know the house from us. Yeah, I was 
like um, I remember the house music was big in like Chicago, and then they you know evolved to like the juke music and stuff like that. And I remember hearing um, I remember hearing one time I forget what song it was, but it was a Baltimore club record, but it was even sped up even more to like some juke music and it was like the same vocals but it had the juke music background so i was wondering like if um you know what it was between you know baltimore and chicago as well if anything yeah well chicago you know they was the originators you know what one of the originators of that of house and they actually that juke a lot of the juke stuff is like we actually borrowed from a lot of that that Mm -hmm. style you know what i'm saying we borrowed from from miami from you know, it like uh, it was a couple places over over in London and you know overseas. It actually, like um, you know, it was a group called Shut Up and Dance. They had a bunch of stuff that we kind of took, uh, you know, bits and pieces of to kind of make you know what we, you know, made our kind of style of uh, you know of music. So we definitely, you know, that's that's all homage paid to you know like Chicago because they you know that's the original mm-hmm. house stuff that we were listening to. And then they you know they had they had, they had some dudes over there that was doing. A lot of stuff like the dude Cashmere. We bought a lot of stuff from him. Mm-hmm. He did what made percolate in those those joints like that. What people thought they was Baltimore records, they was actually, you know, Chicago records. They was, you know, so that stuff is a lot of the stuff we was using to, to make our records. You know what I'm saying? Like in the early days. Mm-hmm. Like before we especially you, before we really started making our own vocals and stuff. You uh you know, speaking of like I guess the uh negative uh connotations that are associated with club music, um, you know, like the whole idea of like using gunshots within like uh within club music and i was always curious to know um like when like when were gunshots like implemented into club music like was that something that that has always been there or did like kind of evolve over time um yeah it kind of like it that kind of the heavy gunshots kind of ushered in around the time when um like black star and those dudes started making their run you know what i'm saying they you know they 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 even had a kind of a, a different style from the stuff that we was doing, you know, in like a, gender, a generation before them, you know what I'm saying? So they was a little more, you know, even more aggressive, a little more, a little faster on the BPMs and different, you know, they, they started using a little more synth sounds and stuff like that. And to me, that was just kind of the progression of, you know, just a different generation. They had, they was exposed to, you know, we was exposed to our parents' music. They was exposed to our stuff, mm-hmm. so, but they also had, you know, their own things they was listening to you know what i'm saying they came up in the in the era of uh you know lil wayne and that kind of stuff so you know it just reflected that you know what i'm saying it was still baltimore though but it was just more you know more aggressive more you know and and they was going through you know it was more violence in the city like i'm i'm you know even what's what's going on now like a lot of that stuff it's like a heavy gunshot you know that stuff just i, I think it's just a product of the environment of, you know of how you come up you know what i'm saying we came up heavily in in dance. Even 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 the dudes that was thugs and you know what I'm saying hardcore killers, they were still in the club dancing on the weekends. Uh, you know what I'm saying. So that's just what you know. A lot of people just don't understand that part of it. It's like yo, this. A lot of people look at club music like it was a you know like it was just something that you know gay people was doing or whatever whatever. It's like yo, nah. Everybody <laughs> was dancing to it. If you was trying to get a girl, you was dancing to club music. I don't care what you was talking about. You know what I'm saying? You could be mm. the hardcore rapper, you could do whatever, but if you wanted to get some girls, you was going to a club that played house music or played club music. Mm. That's and crazy. Oh, be- oh, go ahead. Oh, and, oh, and so you so you just mentioned Dip, uh, Black Star, and you just me- and you mentioned Diplo um, like a, like a while back, a little while back. So I was curious um, to know if you were um, if you were around during the time when MIA came down here and Black Star was uh, working with her on her, her second album. Oh yeah, yeah. I was um I was definitely we were still definitely doing stuff. I actually did um 
I did a remix um for um uh uh Ra in MIA. Uh mm. joint called Bang. I did a remix for okay. that. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah, so that you know, I was still, you know, I, I you know, cuz me, I I I enjoy a lot of even some people that didn't, you know, from the older generation that didn't like some of the new generation stuff, I was I was still around for all of that stuff because I, I I can appreciate what it is, you know what I'm saying? Even if I don't like certain things or whatever, cause you know, from the traditional, but I still, you know, I still like the you know, so that was all that was all a part of, you know, and plus I was still spending heavy in the clubs and stuff around that time too. So I definitely um, you know, ran into all of them all the time. Cause everybody mm-hmm. was coming down here at that point. Mm-hmm. So like in the early so in oh so like in the early nineties did eighty eight point nine ever play any type of club music in the beginning? Nah, they was they that was strictly that was always strictly hip hop all day every day. Like I don't, I don't ever remember them playing. Yeah, it was never club music on uh on eighty eight nine, not that I remember. Okay, and I I pretty much been a, been around eighty eight nine since the very beginning, like the very beginning. Mm. It was in Holmes Hall uh, in, at Morgan, so you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so it's, it's definitely they always been straight about the you know the underground hip hop B sides to the records. You know what I'm saying, like that whole nine. Yeah, I still got my strictly hip hop tapes from you know middle school and everything, and and you know you probably don't even remember, but um, you know I'm I'm I used to see you around because I interned there for a little bit. Oh, word, then, oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I used to see you around because you did the uh, mixes and everything, and like yeah, you know, yeah. some, and like I know you used to send them in sometimes, but um, sometimes you know you would pop up and you would have the um, what kind of car was it you used to pull up in? Um, it was real distinct. I always knew that it was you coming through, and I used to just say what up to you, <laughs> whatever. I was out like like I was real young. <laughs> That's what's up, man. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm strictly hip hop, man. They, I'm, I'm, I love that it's still around. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's probably the one of, the, if not the longest running, one of the longest running college stations, especially for underground hip hop. Like, that's yeah. rare to find that these days if it ain't on the internet. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. That's what we kind of um, um, I'm doing with this podcast and everything. Um, yeah. So, so like when you were um you know, getting real heavy into the club music and your first club music record started really popping off. Um, um, were you still producing hip hop as well? Yeah, I was doing both the whole entire time. I was doing both. Like, like when, um, when we was doing, um, watch out for the big girl and, and, and those early records, I was putting out my first, um, you know, hip hop vinyl with, with my group Aunt boogie. You know what I'm saying? Like that was one of the first thing I was, so I was doing both the whole entire time. Like it, it was, it was never, a separation you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. i would do and that's that's even to this day when i when i come and sit in a lab my mood one day i'll i'll come in here and and people be bugging out off the shit but i'll come in i'll make some club shit and then i'll turn around and, and make a a grimy ass you know underground joint or just got some drums down here looping or some shit you know it's just that's just always been in me because it's just you know it's they both you know such a part of me so like i said I, you know to me i don't really see too much of a difference other than the bpms most of the time because we the, the breaks we using is pretty much the same things. You know what I'm saying? Mm. For the most part, they pretty much the same breaks and stuff. Mm. And I think that's what kind of set us apart too. Because when we did our club stuff, like our stuff is more all my stuff has always been more drum oriented than anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's just the influence of you know, just you know making beats and stuff. You know, just the hip hop. That's always been you know always been there. Mm-hmm. 
So, so um, around the time when you were like really getting your feet off the ground with the, with the club music and everything, and you um you came out with the, your first record, were you like constantly um DJing at, uh, at at clubs all throughout the city, constantly every week? Yeah, I was I was doing um I was doing a little bit of everything. I like at that point I was doing um a couple of you know clubs here and there. I wasn't real heavy in the clubs like that because I was I was doing more. Like for me, the college parties was the, was the you know was the same because I used to like I I started getting booked out of town to do like you know Frostburg State and UMES and all those spots like that. So I was loving just traveling and then you know and doing like you know what I'm saying because I would like I would come out and do the do all the frat parties. Like I was real good with a lot of the frats. So I would do frat parties at all these different colleges and stuff. So I got to you know see you know so I got to to come out and DJ when they would bring in like, you know, they would bring Onyx and, you know, all these different groups and stuff like that. So I got kind of got that kind of exposure just from, you know, from traveling out. So I never mm. really, you know, I, like I would do the clubs here, but that never really was my thing because I used to like to travel more. You know what I'm saying? Because I'd be like, yo, they pay you to come out. They pay for your hotel room. And, you know what I'm saying? So we was living like a little mini tour life back then. You know what I'm saying? And I had my yeah. little hoopie. I just packed me and my homeboys up and we just roll out and we just go and, you know, go do the parties and stuff. I used to love doing that. No, I went to UMES. So how? So how? How? how UMES, like around that time in the '90s, because from what I'm understanding, like you know, like compared to now, they have like a lot more there, but it was yeah. still like nothing, like in that time. From what from what I've heard through our various people. What as far as party party wise, or um, well, well, like um, well, like I guess for example, like they have like certain like amenities there, like nowadays compared to um, compared to then. So I can only imagine how how hard they partied then. Oh yeah, and, back then it was in the nineties compared to now. Hard. I mean, oh man, <coughs> I'm talking about twenty four seven, like to the point where we would go down there. You, would, I mean, you would we would rarely sleep. You know what I'm saying? And then I was going. I got good with um. It was this dude. I don't even think. I don't even. I don't know if that club's still around. But in Pokemoke down there, it was a spot called Lawson's, and they um they used to bring down. He used to bring down. He was he was a dude that he owned. He like owned the the, the spot, and it looked like he owned like half of the town or something because he was one of them type of you know big uh you know big tall white dude. And he yeah. um he used to bring us down, pay us a good amount of money, get us a hotel room. We come down do his club, and then we just be down. We we now you know, UMS was crazy. Like it was. I mean, I can't even, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like the amount of partying and the, however crazy they think it is now, uh, you got to multiply that by a thousand. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, yeah, crazy. I can only imagine, man. Like, I mean, so was, um, was Talons and, uh, like, Talons and Ardens, were they there during that time? I, what, I don't even know what they are. Honestly, I, I haven't been down there so long that, uh, oh. I don't even remember no, only, the only spot I remember there was like, uh, it was like some, um, it was some off campus like like bar type spot, and they they would throw stuff there. But for the most part, everything was on this on the on the campus. Like you know, what I'm saying, I mean, they would they would do like big gym parties, but for the most mm -hmm. part, it was just you know, you know, just spot like everybody just out. I just remember going to UMES, everybody just out, you know, little different pockets of you know at, at off the off campus houses and stuff. Always had crazy parties. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just one spot down there. It was just a it wasn't even no furniture in the house. They just—I don't even know who house it was, but they would just have parties in there all the time. They just be having smokeouts all the time. Like when you go in there, it's just yeah, it was just crazy. I mean, it was all—I mean, this was all over the campus, everywhere. Most of, yeah, this is all off-campus off houses and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
that's all I remember. Just people just out everywhere, just party. You can always go to find something to get into down there. Mm. So, 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 who, so during that time, who partied harder, Frostburg or UMES? Uh, UMES, hands down. I mean, Frostburg Damn. was cool because Frostburg was more, you know, that you know they had, um, you know, they would had a, they had a little area for their parties and stuff. I mean, they mm-hmm. would do their partying and stuff, but it was, you know, it was a whole different environment. Like that, UMES was totally. Totally different. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I used to like Frostburg, though, because it was just getting out of town. Like, that was the first time I really got to be out in the mountains. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, you traveling and, you know, DJing and stuff at that point. It was it was just cool to be out there. And then, you know, then I would go out for a weekend. I might do two or three parties within that weekend. So I was just, you know, I was just clocking money just, yo. You know what I'm saying? And then, I mm-hmm. like, I had a couple homegirls up there. So I crashed, you know, crashed there and, and, and pocketed the hotel money, too. And, you know, so it was like, yo, I was just living. You know what I'm saying? Now, when you say um, uh, pocket the hotel money, so um, that's like, I guess as time went on, I guess you became more um, business oriented to where, you know, people are booking you and they're booking your hotel and everything like that and, you know, giving you the bread and all of that. So, like, when it comes down to when you're putting out records, um, how did how did the sampling um aspect of it come into effect because when you're using like uh sing sing and um yeah. what's the other record um i can't think of the name of the other record right now but the you know the the stand you know the, like i guess the standard baltimore club oh, yeah, that everybody uh, kind of thinks break, of. Uh, yeah yeah, think, think. yeah 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 how did that um work out uh you know business-wise and all of that i mean honestly to be totally honest with you we never cared. Like they, nobody ever. We, the only time that we ever had somebody come after us about sampling was when we did. Um, we did a joint. Uh, what's the hell was the name of that song? Um, we did a joint sampling a SWV record, and um, oh shit, I gotta think of the damn name of the record. Um, it can't come to me right now, but we sampled this. We had I had an acapella SWV, so we chopped it up, sampled it, and they started playing it real heavy on the radio. Mm-hmm. And to the point where, you know, we got a cease and desist letter. Like, yo, y'all, I mean, and they never really came at us legally because we just, because we, and, and we was selling the vinyl and they was like, yo, you stop selling the vinyl and don't put that record out. You know what I'm saying? That was the only time we ever really, you know, somebody ever really came at us about sampling. Like before that, we flew under the radar for years. You know what I'm saying? Like all that time. Even mm-hmm. to now, nobody really, you know, I mean, of course you haven't really seen a, a you know, a, a you know, five million times club record yet you know what i'm saying and i say yet but you know that's the thing nobody never ever really came at us because it was it was always uh, under the radar enough where it wasn't that much attention you know what i'm saying we got got attention but it wasn't that much and i don't know if they just didn't care or you know whatever or it wasn't worth it i don't who knows nobody um than that yeah yeah it's it's interesting because the thing that I noticed is like um, on the DJ Class record, it seems like he um, he kind of tried to replay something that's you know similar to the um, Think Joint. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it wasn't a sample, and it seemed like you know just me as a producer, you know, just listen to him like okay, he did that to you know avoid the sampling type of well, thing yeah, because yeah. I remember. Um, and what's crazy to me is like I think that joint, if I'm not mistaken, that joint was in rotation on Hot 97, but it wasn't in rotation here. Um, it's crazy, but, to me, uh, but 
Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's you know accurate or not, but that's from my but recollection of it. Yeah. You said what? I call it the Baltimore hate, but that's, a, that's like a whole other <laughs> insane but, that you got a record that big, but Kanye West touched it, and all these people touched it, and it was no rotation in the, in our city, which uh, you know that's a whole other story though. Like I, I don't oh, know yeah. what happened. With that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, like now I see it. Um, you know when it comes to clubbing, I see it being less sample based and stuff like that. Cause you yeah. know, um, you know, just me, you know, delving into different things and trying to produce and all of that. I'm, you know, you like worry about the samples and you know, should I go to Harry Fox and see which you know are these joints yeah. on there and try to um, you know, clear them and everything like that. But um. You know, um, yeah, I guess it has to get like ten thousand sales digitally or whatever. You know, you know, yeah. from this perspective. But um, um, also, you know, uh, like, uh, do you get like royalties and stuff off of certain records? Or, I mean, for them, for that stuff, no, nah, we never. And that's the thing, we never fully pursued a lot of the stuff that we probably should have. But like I said, it was you know, we was good with it being under the radar because for the most part, we was just doing vinyl. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, later on, we started doing, like, mixed CDs and having it on CDs, but, you know, at that point, you know, there was no digital, so it was just, you know, we would press up a, a good amount of records, make that money, make our show money or, you know, club money and stuff, and then it was good enough to fly under the radar with that, because, you know, that was all, that's always been one of the biggest fears, like, yo, suppose, you know, somebody really goes back and looks like, damn, they've been sampling our shit for, you know what I'm saying, like, 20-something <laughs> years, like, so it's it's you know that was always a thing like it was it was good where it was and we kind of kept it that way you know what I'm saying we you know and of course if you know something would have blown up you know crazy you know it, it would have been what it was but at the same time it was just like yeah we we were aware that you know like we can't do this forever and somebody not say nothing you know what I'm saying like yeah we just kind of flew under mm -hmm. the radar with it so you know we we never really did a lot of registration on those, you know, even to this day, I, you know, I kind of stayed away from a lot of that stuff. You know, a lot of those records could have been bigger, but at the same time, we would have had to pay a boatload of sample, you know, because we was just sampling whatever. So, you know, one song might have a bunch of high price samples in it. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. that was just kind of the thing where it was just our, you know, our culture. We just kind of kept it where it was. Mm. So, so going, so going back to like the like the early '80s when when club when Baltimore Club started, um, you know, so so you mentioned like 1982 when you were coming up and, and you got your turntables, and this is like around the same time, like you know, you have house, you know, you have house music, also have um, electro and Cal um, going on in, in LA with you know Egyptian Lover and Arabian okay. Prince, Uncle James Army. So I was always curious to know, was there like a small pocket? of, you know, I guess, like, these kind of, like, outliers in Baltimore who were against club, but they were all for, like, the electro scene, and there was, like, a small electro scene in Baltimore that no one really knows about during that time period? Yeah, honestly, everybody else was against club, like, except the people that loved it. The hip-hop mm -hmm. people didn't like it. The house people damn sure didn't like it, and these were my friends, you know what I'm saying? And they was just like, yo, I, you know, I don't know what you're doing, you know what I'm saying? Like, everybody wanted us <laughs> to get into producing house music, but... It just wasn't what, you know, what we wanted to do. So, it, you know, it was everything else nobody really liked. Like, that was the thing. It wasn't it wasn't, po it wasn't popular. It was only popular with people that went to those clubs and danced to that music. And that was pretty much it. And, you know, you know, people, you know, in the hood and that kind of stuff, that was, you know, that's what the music was. That's what it was. That was, that was the music for the hood. 
you know what I'm saying, outside of the, you know, the, the hip-hop records and stuff, but that was, out the club music that we did was the music for the hood. We go party and everybody did their thing, but everybody outside of that really didn't like it, or or they liked it and they, you know, didn't want to admit they liked it. You know what I'm saying? Right, but so. like I said, at some point, they, so, you know, you know, I was, I see, I saw people that claim it and, you know, they was at the clubs, they was there. So, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But it was, it was, we was, we, it was definitely wasn't that popular, you know, not as popular as it seemed. With, you know, especially for other other people that like other genres of music, so that so, was kind of crazy. So during that time, um, so club music for was so let's say your typical sub suburban cat from I don't know, uh, let's say uh, I don't know Aberdeen or something like that. I don't know Catonsville or some shit. Um, what would they most likely listen to? Would it be electro or house or like, you know, what type of genre would it be since they would probably be against club music during this time period? Um, I mean, if they was against club, most, most probably some of, probably house music, you know what I'm saying? If they, if they wasn't really like hardcore and the hip hop, they might like, like the electro and cause you know, I mean, you had pockets of people that liked the, you know, it was, it was a lot of European imports, you know, European house, that, that style of house coming from over there. And then, you know, you had the traditional, like, soulful kind of stuff coming out of, like, Chicago, New York. So, you know, most people was, a lot of people was just on the house music, you know what I'm saying, real heavy. Like, mm -hmm. house music was, you know, it's a big house town, you know what I'm saying? And they talk about, like, the European imports and stuff, and, mm -hmm. you know, the, um, I guess the hip-hop scene in the UK is popping off, and, um, I was, you know, you got people like Dizzy Rascal and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I was wondering, like, um, did you get imports of European hip hop or when did that whole scene start first, you know, really popping off and um you know, did that have any type of effect at all? Uh I mean, we wasn't really up on European hip hop that much. I know that mm -hmm. um some of those a lot of a lot of those records actually had MCs on them, but we didn't re didn't really pay a lot of attention to it just mm -hmm. because we was really just listening for you know what's the slick little parts today? Because those those records was ill. Like they would, they was weird, but they would always mm -hmm. have one slick ass part where it was like, yo, this is stupid, and we would just mm -hmm. take that, you know, that part that we like, you know, what I'm saying because it was a lot of they used a lot of weird and strange sounds and stuff like that, and so we would kind of sift through that stuff and then find the little parts that we like, and then you know, kind of take that. But uh, most of those records had raps on them. To, mm -hmm. to be honest, which now that I, like if I listen back to a lot of that stuff, a lot of that stuff had raps on it. We really never really paid attention to you know who those MCs were and and that kind of stuff. And I definitely wasn't really up on you know just a tr kind of traditional uh, you know hip hop records from from you know from those areas. No, no, personally, wasn't really up on it like that. Yeah. So um, you know, just going back to your interviews and stuff like that, hip hop wise, um, you were like a like a boot camp Black Moon type of cat. Yeah, that's that's probably. You know what I'm saying? Like that's one of my all time favorite crews. Like I actually like later down the line being being on strictly hip hop got a chance to be, you know, cool with even to this day I can hit Drew High on you know on an email or something and you know, whatever, whatever. So it was like that was my era. Like that stuff. That's what I, you know, influenced me the most. Like, you know what I'm saying, from boot camp, trial call quest, um, you know. I mean, all that, that, that 90s, that, you know, that early to mid 90s era was just, you know, that was my favorite, even though I was a big like EPMD head and that kind of stuff from, you know, that kind of came in the back in the late 80s. But that mm -hmm. once it got to that 90s, mid 90s, that was me all day. Mm -hmm. you know, so I, that was, I was a fanatic. 
you uh you know uh, going going back uh, once more to the early 80s and you know you have schoolie d what comes out in 85 and 86 you know mm-hmm. 85 with like since his um you know his first album was so um drum based you know like the same as baltimore club mm-hmm. um did uh did his coming out have any type of influence on baltimore club during that time or did um or were they, were they like early um club song tracks that that sampled schoolie d um, I mean, I, I mean, I was definitely a Schoolie D fan. You know what I'm saying? I I don't remember like sampling any of his stuff. I'm trying to think. Did I? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't really remember sampling it. I was definitely a fan of his, though. You know what I'm saying? And and, and that mm-hmm. music. But um, I don't remember personally sampling uh any of his material like that I can think of. But uh, you know, everybody definitely he was that was you know he had big records down here. Everybody was on Schoolie D. Like when those joints was coming out. Mm-hmm. Now you oh, mentioned definitely. um. You you mentioned uh, Onyx earlier, and you know uh-huh. one of the classic Baltimore, um, you know, club music joints is that ha stick 'em up, stick 'em up. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering, like, you know, um, you know, did they hear that, and what was their reaction to it if they did? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really sure if they heard, like, because that was actually when we did that record. I was wondering, like, I, I kind of thought that that would be one of the ones that. You know, we would probably, you know, somebody would come after us as far as sampling, but nobody ever really, I'm sure they was aware of it because it was, you know, when that record hit, it hit, and it still to this day is like a big record. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, you know, I'm not totally sure if they, like, if they were ever aware of it or not. Um, and I actually, I remember doing, like, doing a show, I think I, think I DJed a show where they was was there, but I don't, I don't know if they, uh, yeah, I don't remember them even, like, ever knowing about it or whatever, but I mean, you know, like, recognizing that they knew about it, but. That was definitely uh that was that was one of the records that I thought that you know they might come after us for. That yeah. record, when it came out, that record was huge. Yeah, I was wondering too, like um, if uh, Kevin Lyles had any um had any uh, impact in the scene with the club music or anything like that, or was he just straight, just strictly uh, hip hop? You know, no pun intended. But um, but yeah, you know, did he have any influence or did he do anything um in that area? And did you have any like interactions with him? Um in the early well, in the early days he um, you know, with the new marks when they was doing their thing, you know, we they definitely influenced what we, you know, came to do later. Mm-hmm. They actually had a joint called North A you know, called North Avenue. That joint was like one of the early like kind of club style records. But um actually and the crazy thing is I didn't I didn't really Running to Kevin Lyles on a on a on a club music tip, you know what's what's kind of crazy is, I'll tell you when I finally got to actually have a conversation with Kevin about stuff like this was um, I'm gonna say, uh, two thousand. Oh, I don't want to get the dates wrong. I'm gonna say around maybe two thousand, maybe five or six or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so around the time I was I was um being managed by um I don't know if you I, I don't know if y'all remember Butterman that used to be down here that you know from MTV and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used yeah. Him and Morgan back in the day. So I you know I've known him for all those years. So he actually was managing me at the time. Him and um my man Nigel Mack who was it was um you know was one of the head A and R's at Universal a couple years back. Mm. They were you know they were co managing me at the time. So that's when I was just starting to, you know I was you know doing the beats and doing the club stuff. So I'm, you know, I'm in the crib one day and I get a call. I, you know, pick the phone up. So I'm like, "Yo, what's up?" He's like, "Yo, what's going on?" It's Kev. I'm like, "Kev who?" He's like, "Kev Lyles." I'm like, "Kev Lyles." I'm like, "What's up?" 
So he like, yo, I, I you know, I, um, he was like, yo, Diddy, you know, really fucks with the club shit. You know, he hit me and asked me, you know, you know, who can I get to do a Baltimore club mix for him? He was like, so I called Butter and they told me to call you. I was like, all right, cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, this was crazy at this point. I'm like, damn, did he? Like, hold up. So, you know, I'm talking to him about it. And he like, yo, so we know we going to get you the record. And then, you know, he was like, you see what you could do with it. You know what I'm saying? So, I call, you know, I called um, Butterman. I was like, yo, we gonna, they going to get you the vocals. They shot me the vocals over. So, I was like, even so, I called him back. He was like, yo, let me know when you get it. So, I got it. I listened to it. He's like, you think you could do something with it? I'm like, hell yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, I like, all right. He was like, yo, just let me know when you got something. And I, you know, we'll, you know, we'll get it to him. So oh. as soon as I hung the phone up with him, I got right on it. And not even two hours later, I bring the joint out. And it's, it's, I was like, yeah, I'm going to send it back to you. He was like, send it back. I'm like, yeah. So I sent it back. He, they, like, maybe like a day or two later, I got a call, um, got a call from Buddy. He was like, yo, they, he was like, yo, did he fuck with it? It's a go. He was like, and I'm going to call you. So, um, his and I'll call me. Chopped, we chopped it up with him about you know certain things. He'd be like, "Yo, do you know do this, this, and this? Get it to his engineer." So I got it to the engineer. They liked it, and after that, that was you know it was a go. He was like, "Yo, you know they gonna we gonna in, y'all just invoice us, and you know they cut me. That was probably one of the biggest checks I ever got doing a you know that club remix that I did for Diddy, and um that was all you know the hook up through Kevin Lyles. You know what I'm saying? So it was like that." Was just crazy. Like years down the line, that's kind of when I, you know, had my first interactions with him as far as business goes. Mm. Was mm, what song was that? Um, the, um, it was. It, it came out. It was a um a bonus cut on Press Play. Um, for uh, how did I forget the name of this shit that quick? Um, uh, I'm tripping right now. Um, mm. it was the joint he did with uh. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, ready to quit. Um, well, get off. It's called Get Off on the press oh, okay. play. I mean, it was it was a bonus CD on a, it was a bonus um, CD on the uh, on the press play joint. Okay, okay. Um, so it was, it was definitely cut a nice ass check for that joint. So, um, so I've always been curious. So, like when whenever like you know we always see like these stories about artists who are you know who you know they they, they get kind of like a random call and. Then, based around this, you know them doing something for this big artist and so is there like a particular protocol that you have to go through when you receive like let's say Diddy's vocals through email is it some type of like weird encrypted type of shit that you gotta do or you just like simply download it and it's just like a regular email yeah it was just a regular email it wasn't um nothing crazy you know what I'm saying of course I wasn't gonna share it with nobody nothing like that but it was yeah it was just a regular email you know what I'm saying I, um actually but I can tell you a, a funny story um um even and even now with the like DJ Spin from the um well he was you know from the New Marks and w- with the Basement Boys and stuff he was dealing with the Basement Boys at the time this was in '96 he um you know he was one of my mentors like far as DJing and as far as production and all that stuff he you know they were they were doing like the Basement Boys were doing these remixes for these huge ass names like Madonna and you know what I'm saying all these big you know they were doing house re- house music remixes for all the biggest artists in the in the um you know in the world. So I was, you know, I was, you know, they were all my mentors. So they used to, you know, they used to just, you know, send me through the ringer. Like, nah, you know, you doing like this, you should do that. You know what I'm saying? They used to just get on me. They actually made me who I am today. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, dealing with them, I got to, you know, just be back and forth to their studio. So I was recording my hip hop stuff for their studio. So I got a call from them one day. They was like, yo, we working on this Michael Jackson project. 
and um, we doing some R and B hip hop shit. He was like, we, you know, he was like, come through. We, you know, we want to, you know, they knew I was all about like finding drums and you know what I'm saying. So he was like, yo, just bring your stuff. You know what I'm saying. So they was working. They had this melody and stuff going. So he was like, yo, see if you can do something to it. So I just, you know, start pulling out my kits and you know drums that I chopped up and stuff, and I started doing these patterns and stuff. So next thing I know, I went I went back to the studio a little bit later. They was like, yo, they, you know, they like what you did on it. I'm like, on what? He was like, on the Michael Jackson shit. So I'm tripping because I'm like, so they get the vocals. Now, now the Michael Jackson vocals was on a dat, but that shit was on some top secret, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, <laughs> nobody get it type of, you know. So we in there listening to these vocals. I'm like, God damn, this is fucking Michael Jackson. Like, you know what I'm saying? And it's crazy. So to this day, like I, I get, I got a credit for doing drum programming on "Strangers in Moscow" on the on the remix for "Strangers in Moscow." I was actually on the record and everything. You know what I'm saying? That shit was real ill. Like on some top oh, wow. secret. That's the only time I really see super top secret shit going on. Like it was crazy. But that was that Damn. was one of my like very first early like credits. You know what I'm saying? Which was crazy, and that was all because I was in the you know into chopping up drums and shit like that, which was real slick. Cause they was all house music dudes, so they wasn't really up on, you know, a lot of the breaks and all that kind of shit, so that just played to my advantage. I was like the young dude to them that was, you know, that was real heavy in the hip-hop. Damn, so so did DJ Spin, um, uh, was he the one that uh, that kind of gave you or allowed you to play like on your first drum machines or like do your first patterns or something like that mentor-wise? Mentor well, no, he was a little more down the line. Like, this was, um, like you know, mid nineties. Um, he actually, he actually got me my, my job on DJing on V103. Cause you know, he was, he's been big here since the eighties, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and to this day, he's one of the biggest house music DJs in the world. You know what I'm saying? He, you know, he travels around the world. That's what he does all, you know, all day, all, all week, you know, he's different countries and all that stuff, playing these festivals and all that stuff. So but back then, you know what I'm saying, he was he was still to this day probably one of the illest hip hop DJs you'll ever hear, but you won't you'll never hear him doing hip hop sets no more really cuz he he you know, he just does house music now. But back then, he was in all that stuff, so he was, you know, he like early in my production around like the mid 90s and stuff, he was a big mentor in that and 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 in my with my DJing like getting me to you know like a the next level, you know what I'm saying? Like playing, you know, when you trying to play big clubs and that kind of stuff, that was, you know, the kind of mentoring I was getting and I was in the studio with them. So I was learning all the engineering stuff. You know what I'm saying? I just was a sponge around all of them. Like they would get on me all the time, but you know, I was learning the whole time. You know what I'm saying? So like those dudes really played a big part in, you know, in what I actually became or whatever. Okay. So, so when it comes to engineering now, um, do you still like record analog, or did you, or have you switched like totally to uh, uh, to digital now? Yeah, right now, now I'm just all digital. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, I mean, if if, if I can get into an environment where we can do, you know, like analog recording, then I, you know, I'm all for it. But you know, right now it's just so much. You know, so many things that you could do right in the, you know, right on your laptop now. You know what I'm saying? That just and, you know, and they have things that, I mean, it's, it's no match to analog sound, but, you know, the way things are now, you can, you know, there's plugins and all that stuff where you can make things sound kind of the way you want them. Mm. Only, like, the, the, the you know, the most hardcore purists will know exactly what you're doing because most people don't really give a damn these days anyway. You know what I'm saying? Which mm. is kind of sad, but, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, most, I'm doing all digital stuff these days now. Mm. So... 
Um, so I guess so. Like so far, uh, what is like the biggest club that that you've played at so far? Um, probably. Let me think. Johnny, what's the biggest club? Uh, probably. What was the name of that club in New York? Um, the tunnel. Terrible with names. Now it wasn't a tunnel. It was. I mean, this was a dance music type of club, but uh, I can't remember. Oh. This was. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. I mean, I put. It was one in, in New York that was kind of big, and then there was. I can't like these. These are all blurs. They was years ago. Mm. Um, and then there was a spot in Miami that I played in when I was. Um, I was doing. I was actually DJing on the road with. Uh, I know y'all know Tony Austin from here. He was when when yeah. Tony Austin. Mm. Um, he was the vice president of Russell Simmons Music Group. Yeah. So he basically was bringing all Baltimore dudes with him when they was doing. So they were actually doing these, um, like even before um, uh, American Idol, they was doing. They had that kind of formula that they were doing around the country with with Lil Wayne, and they, you know, he was like one of the like celebrity judges and stuff. So like we would go to these, we would just go to these different cities, and they would, you know, do all. It was a big talent search all the time, and so they would just do that during the day and then at night you know what i'm saying he would come and him and um baby would do appearances at the club and we would just go in you know dj at the club and you know go to the next spot and all that kind of stuff so that like it was a club in miami i can't think of the name of that joint um it was it was in downtown miami though that shit was huge and actually mm. some, some you got shot inside the club that night too and it was crazy damn but yeah that was you know and that was actually the first time i got to see how some of these like superstars move. Like I seen them dudes move and, and go to these different clubs and just for appearances, they was grabbing, yo, like they was giving these, they was giving these dudes 50, 30 K just to come sit in the club, drink for an hour or two and then bounce. You know what I'm saying? Like it was crazy. Mm. It was insane. So, it was the two clubs. I just can't even, I, I can't think of the names of them though, honestly. So like um, so in in your in um, I guess in in the early stages of your of your career when you were like just I guess um you know maybe doing stuff in DC and like you know doing um stuff weekly um throughout all the clubs in Baltimore like what was the average uh type of um uh payday that um you know I guess your average Baltimore DJ was getting inside Baltimore alone like in the mid nineties mid nineties probably I mean. If you was doing a, a major club, you might you might be getting anywhere from. I mean, if you was a headliner, you might you might be pulling like a like a grand or something, maybe somewhere around there. If you was like mid level, you might be you know somewhere in the five hundred to I say between five hundred and a thousand, some you know somewhere in that range, or you know maybe a little more depending on if he was on the radio that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know somewhere around there, but you know nothing like the club like. Most of these clubs, you know, even to this day, if you're not a you know a headliner, they're gonna try to you know try to squeeze you out for you know for money or whatever. But you can make a decent amount of money if you okay. you know, on the radio and kind of headlining. You can you, you can make a you know a good buck. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And and so and, and also during this period, um, you know, um, I. I'm assuming, you know, you had the Baltimore Sun and, like, other, I guess, earlier publications, and I'm, I'm assuming the city paper was was um, around during this time, too. So, yeah. um, were there, like, early, um, you know, music journal, uh, Baltimore-based music journalists who were, who, who were, like, documenting what was going on within um, the Baltimore club scene during this time or even in the early um, 80s coming up? 
Um, back in the early days, I'm trying to think. I don't know anybody that. I mean, nobody really stood out. We would get little like write ups here and there. Um, but nobody really stood out in the early early days. Like when it started getting to like the mid '90s, you had like um Kelly Connolly. She had a um, oh yeah. She was writing for a paper. And then later down the line, you know, Al Shipley, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's my, my people's, he, he, uh, he was we a real cool dude. Him. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I started listening to a little bit of it. I got to catch the rest of it though. But, um, so, yeah, he, you know, he really went in on it, you know, once in like the 2000, you know, like I want, I think maybe mid early mid two thousands or something like that is when he really started, you know, like really taking an interest in, you know, the club music and, you know, like really getting in depth on, you know, on a lot of the stuff. So, but back back in the early days, I can't really say I remember. Like I remember little small publications and stuff like that, but no one that you know, n- nobody I could think of that really stood out as far as like you know the publications or whatever. Okay, now I mean now like during that time, you know, since, since at least here, you know, Baltimore, it's, you know, from from what you're telling us, it was like very fruitful hip hop wise and culturally. Well, um, were there like any like you know uh, like kind of random underground hip-hop magazines that tried to get off the ground and, you know, eventually over time they kind of, you know, lost, um, lost steam. Yeah, um, oh, what was my man, um, my man Quentin, and this joint was called, I think it was called Expressions. He mm. was, a he was a dude, he, like, he covered pretty much everybody back then. And he was doing his own thing, you know what I'm saying, print, printing up his own, um, you know, magazine, like, it was just a little, you know, little, like, paper publication, but he was like, it was popular back then. You know what I'm saying? And he was doing his thing with that. And it started getting to a certain point. And then after a while, you know what I'm saying? I just stopped hearing from him. I hadn't, I hadn't seen him in years. You know what I'm saying? I think he's still around, but I'm not sure exactly what he's doing now. But back then, he was, you know, he was doing his thing with the Expressions magazine. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was pretty dope back then. Like, everybody was on it. You know what I'm saying? Because he came out. He would come out. And, you know, wherever you was, he would come out and, and interview, you know what I'm saying? we go get some drinks and smoke and we just, you know, just chop it up. And he, he was doing that with all the different groups and stuff like that. So that was kind of cool. Hmm. So I mean, um, do you by any chance have any copies um, of Expressions? Um, I don't, but I, I know, I think my homeboy got a couple, you know what I'm saying? I could probably get you, get you either, get you some copies of it or, you know what I'm saying? Like photocopy it or something. But I'm, yeah, I'm mm. pretty sure that I can, I can get that. Just remind yeah. me now, uh, you know, because uh, I know my homeboy, he keep everything. I know he, I think he got, still got some around. Mm. Oh, yeah, 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 we really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, them jokes, yeah. yeah they, they definitely dope, man. Like, one thing I was thinking of, um, you know how you were talking about, you know, pressing up the vinyl and everything like that. Like, um, I don't know how much, you know, you pressed up each run of um, each track, but, you know, those joints got to be collector's items right now. Yeah, they, um, uh, yeah, they... Like maybe I, I want to say early two thousands, you could get some serious money for a lot of that stuff. Now they kind of, you know, kind of died down, but they was definitely like it was. They was worth you know a good amount of money back then. But I mean the the but where the money is is the early early nineties Baltimore hip hop vinyl. Mm, yeah, like, you can get bread for that stuff. Like I like even because I had I had copies and copies of. A lot of the stuff that we did, and I was selling those for anywhere from eighty dollars to fifty. You know mm. what I'm saying? To to you know the over to like these foreign dudes that was coming because you know they just was collectors' items at, at certain points. You know what I'm saying? So, but yeah, they definitely um you know some of the rare stuff. I mean, if you got some like we used to we used to press up uh like limited edition uh white labels, so they probably you know they might probably worth some money. 
like you know we would do the first run and we would get them to the like the radio dj so we would press up like maybe 20 of the you know 20 or 30 white labels of the stuff that was about to come out in the stores you know what i'm saying so the people that got the white labels they probably worth some money but they mm. definitely uh you know definitely some collectors mm. items but that the baltimore hip-hop any anything early 90s baltimore hip-hop is worth money even still, like it was super popular a couple of years ago, but you know it's still worth worth a good amount of money, depending on which mm-hmm. one you got. Because it was a lot of groups that everybody was, you know, back then. If you wanted to come out, you had to press vinyl. If you wanted to be considered serious, you had to actually press up vinyl. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like you know everybody had their little cassettes and stuff like that. But if you wanted to be considered a major player, and you know even just in the in the in the town, it's like yo, you had to press your you know press your records up. So that was mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that, that was when you was considered serious, you know what I'm saying? Damn, uh, yeah, yeah, man, we gotta get our hands on some of that. <laughs> yeah, man, it's, it's around, you know what I'm saying? Like you'll run into stuff here and there, but I know a lot of those overseas dudes came in and they was buying stuff from everybody, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They was just buying those, everything was collectors' items. Like, I'm, and I, I've been actually trying to get. Um, I know, like, my partner, Griff, he probably has everything. You know what I'm saying? And I, I really want to, you know, have a, um, like, either a blog or something dedicated to that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Because it was, a, like, people don't understand. Like, we was, it was a lot of talent down here back then. You know what I'm saying? And it was a lot of groups. And it, it all, and a lot of that, all that stuff was dope. You know what I'm saying? So, it's, it's, but nobody, a lot of people just don't have, either have the access to it or they just ain't know about it. So, I mean, I'm, yo, I'm, if you're trying to do something, we do. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, you trying to do something, we can chop it up off air and we can set that joint up because, yeah, you know, yeah, we're man. definitely into that. But, um, yeah, um, another question that I had, um, and this is like a random question. And I don't know if you know anything about this. Um, I remember when, uh, Twister had this joint produced by Pharrell. And mm-hmm. it didn't pop off. It was called like that girl gonna give it up or something like that. Yeah, and like yeah. Pharrell was going yeah. in about like how much he messed with Baltimore Club and like that joint was like, you know, a Baltimore Club record with like some Neptune type of drums yeah. to it. I definitely and, remember it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like I was so excited when I first saw that, but it didn't pop off the way I thought it would or hoped it would. And I was wondering, you know, what your thoughts on that? And if you ever had any interaction with Pharrell or, you know, who he was messing with in the scene or he just heard it and just did it. Yeah, he, no, he actually, he was down here. Um, he was, I think at one point he was trying to sign Rod Lee. I'm, I'm not sure what happened with that, but, you know, he, he took an interest in it. And then that's one of the records that came out of that, you know, that, that situation. You know what I'm saying? Like when he was down here, because I know he was trying to sign Rod Lee at one point. And then, you know, I don't know what happened business-wise with the whole thing, but that he definitely was one of the ones that was trying to, you know. And it was like, you know, when it when it came out, we was like, yo, you know, come on, man. You know what I'm saying? At that point, we was like, yo, like, you know, any of those records that had that kind of sound and it was like that, that was so obvious, mm-hmm. we just was like, our thing was, you know, come to the source and, 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 you know, let's do something instead of, you know, everybody just trying to, like, steal the, you know, steal little bits and pieces of the sound and make it their own or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So it was, you know, it was kind of cool. It was cool that that it, it got that little bit of exposure, but at the same time, it was just like, yo, you know, come on. You know, we here. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, this is what yeah, we yeah. do. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was just, you know, but, you know, at the same time, it's just the, the support levels just was, it's just been off here with, you know, even with the club music. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, 
the, at the height of it, when, when K Swift was, you know, getting to her height, that's when I, I felt like, oh, let's get this shit get ready to be out, you know, outrageous. You know mm. what I'm saying? But, you know, it, at the same time, it still was the lack of, it was a lot of lack of support on, on certain things. You know what I'm saying? Even when I did the Diddy Red, nobody even played, no, they wasn't, like, how could it not get played on the radio? I don't understand. You know what I'm saying? To this day, yeah. that's why I call it the Baltimore hate. I'm like, yo, I don't understand. You got, uh, you know, I, I was legitimate. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like some somebody from, you know, from Oklahoma did the record. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's why I yeah. was like, yo, you know, it, it just didn't make sense to me. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. crazy. Like, I remember, like, you know, even, you know, even earlier when you uh, first mentioned it, talking about the DJ Class record, like, yeah. that joint got played way more. I mean, you know, it's big in Baltimore, but I remember my birthday one year, I was in D.C., and I was in a club, and, um, you know, going to Howard, you know, um, like, it's this little spot, uh, I can't think of the name of it right now, but it's on U Street, and I was in the spot, and... You know, it was mostly Howard people and a couple people because after I left Howard, I went to um, Art Institute. And so, like, I had my Art Institute people in there. There was a Howard people in there. And once the Baltimore Club record dropped, like, like they, like they always dropped the, the, the DJ Class record and then they dropped the Shots record after that. Yeah, yeah. And when that record dropped, everybody knew that I was the dude from Baltimore and, like, all the girls. And it was yeah. my birthday. So, it was like, 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 it was just crazy in there. And um, it just amazed me how, like, everybody knew that this sound was from Baltimore. Everybody knew that I was a Baltimore dude. And all the girls just wanted to rub their ass on me just because of yeah. that. <laughs> Crazy. That's, that music got the effect. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And like, and, like, it's just amazing how how certain things just... Um, just haven't had the opportunity to pop off because I feel like, you know, you can, you, like, sometimes you can hear the Baltimore club music influence in certain types of music. And yeah. I'm just like, yo, like, yo, this is crazy. Like, you know, you know, people aren't paying homage. And um, you made a tweet recently um, about um, people not embracing the sound. And, you know, I do production and I rap and everything. And, like, one thing that people always either love or hate about my music personally is like how I incorporate Baltimore club music. So I might take like yeah. think break, like, like, um, I guess I take the think break sometimes and I slow it down. Like how they did on the boss man record with O yeah. and like, you know, I incorporate that and just add melodies and all kind of samples and stuff over top of it. And, um, you know, people either love it or hate it, but everybody's like, yo, you got your sound or whatever, and it's coming from Baltimore, and it's like, yo, like, yo, yo, if we just, like, you know, you can you can fuse the two together by slowing it down yep. and rapping over that joint, and nobody does it. And, you know, Rod Lee did it, and, you know, you got, um, what's his name, Take Cobain right now, who right. did it over the uh, the, the Bank Rolls joint, and that's a classic, rap. Like, like, I've heard that joint out of town before, and I'm yeah. like, yo, 15 years later, this joint still rings off out of town. Everybody's still popping to it. So it's something here. That's but, what I said. I just, man, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Why I don't, more especially the, 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 the rappers here, like, you know what I'm saying? It, like, I always, the thing that I always hear is like, is if you rapping, either rapping on club or rapping on something similar to club is, is like, like it's perceived as being corny. And I just don't understand that. I never understood it. I was yeah. like, you know, and, and my thing is, but we emulating this Atlanta music so hard, you know what I'm saying? And I just mm-hmm. like, you know, 
but the thing is, problem with I'm like, yo, we got our sound here. Like, I don't get it. Yeah, but the thing, like, and the thing is too, and you know, I don't want to talk bad about Baltimore, but um, it seems like an emulation type of city because in the early '90s, you know, the little bit that I know about early '90s Baltimore hip hop, it was like, like everybody was trying to sound like Wu Tang. All facts. They very true. And then a lot of people here trying to sound like Wu Tang. Yeah, and then you know, coming up through middle school and high school, it was all three six, like. Like, you know, you couldn't walk out in the street. You couldn't go to Rice's Town Road Plaza and not hear 3-6 just banging up the joint and everybody sound like that. And, like, even dudes who I knew who um, came up off of people like Cannabis and, you know, just straight lyrical, you know, you know, quote-unquote lyrical miracle hip-hop. When that 3-6 hit in Baltimore, it was like, yo, we doing this 3 and, you know, people who really know music, they can see the similarities in the flow. Yeah. Like, you know, them dudes were kind of lyrical in their own way. And the way that they did the flows and everything was kind of cool. But, you know, the way that we we grasped on the 3-6 and then we grasped on the, like, Gucci Mane. And um, yeah. there was an interview with uh, Lil Boosie. Um, I think Lil Boosie said on the Breakfast Club that he's the king of Baltimore. And I was like, yo, I can't I can't knock you. You are. Hey. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's the truth. It's because it's like, yeah, and that's... That's the thing. I was like, I, I wish that, like, I, I wish the audience here would have that kind of passion for artists here. You know what I'm saying? And and the sound here, like, it would, you know, we would have been, you know, this city would have been, you know, bigger than, you know, music music wise would have been bigger than it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't get it. I've been trying to figure it out forever. You know what I'm saying? Like. It's crazy, but I even even talking to my pops doing some of the older older old heads. They was like, man, it's always been something crazy with this music industry here. Always crazy. even back then. You know, it's crazy is um, it's something like I don't remember where I saw it, but it's something that I kind of bring up and I talk about a lot. And I don't remember like like I can't cite my source because I don't know where I heard this, but um. Something about the Druids and Druid Hill Park and how they put a curse over the city. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can believe. Some, I don't. Who knows? Like, I'm not ruling anything out at this point. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, I just don't get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, even even to talk to guys way back in the you know in the '60s when they was doing doo wop and they still were saying like, "Yo, this is it's just something about this city and this music industry," and I don't know what the hell it is. And I, you know, I, I even heard. To the fact that, um, you know, a couple of people in the industry just was like, yo, you know, certain towns need to stay, you know, as as followers so they can buy, you know, certain kind of music. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it mm-hmm. is. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, yeah, because, I, I like, hope it changes. You know what I'm saying? I hope I get to see it. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Because, you know, like, because even like if um if I read correctly, I, I could be wrong, though, but um. If I'm if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I believe like the Orioles were kind of like the premier doo-wop um, group in Baltimore, and they were supposed to become, you know, I guess like the something like like the Dells or something like that, and it just never happened for them. And uh, certain people couldn't really, you know, grab eye, and there was some politics, some, some political bullshit involved, and and stuff like that. So. Um, so it's kind of crazy, you know, especially since you, you kind of come from that lineage when you, where you have a father who was, you know, really uh, within that realm and you're in hip hop and it's like the same exact shit going on. But um, but uh, but also like um, this is something that that um, that 
that me and Arctic have, have talked about, um, we he he put me on with this one blog post, um, oh like years ago, maybe 2009. This random hip hop blog post where they posted two random songs um, from nine, uh, of 90s Baltimore hip hop, and and um, one comes from it's from third third. Third World Assassins from '97, okay. and, yeah. and, th- and then the other ones from Parafruit, uh, Parafruit from 1994. Yeah. And so, um, oh, you, you remember them? Yeah, yeah. They actually, um, one of the dudes from Parafruit, he did, um, did the artwork for one of our first, for our, actually, for our, for our first record, I think. Yeah, it's the first Ad Boogie record that we did. Yeah. Hmm. Well, so it, it says Parafruit from the Bone Dice. From the Bone Dice, yeah, yeah. Uh, what is the bone dice? I don't even know. Honestly, to this day, I still don't. <laughs> we used to try to figure it out back then. Like, what the hell did the name mean? But I, to this day, I still don't even know what that name means. It was kind of late. It was live, though. It was live. You know, it's crazy. Is like, you know, trying to track the history of Baltimore hip hop. Because, like, you know, certain cities, like, you know, they had the history down. But, like, yeah. we don't have a history down. So it's like, you know, talking to you, we trying to get this down and record it and just etched in history in stone but it's like you know like you know the records you know like you know just the record keeping of it hasn't been as great in the city and you know when you talk to people like you know like uh, such as yourself you know we have a rich history musically that um is just overlooked, and I do think that one thing that we do get looked at for is the R and B because we've been kind of popping on the R and B level a lot. R and B been jumping for years, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like that's yeah. the the one good thing, you know what I'm saying? And like you know that's that you know that's been one of the shining moments here. But just as far as, as hip hop goes, it's it's kind of hard. I mean. I honestly would say, like, you know, like I said, we got to, we you know, we could talk, um, you know, offline or whatever. We we just got to figure out the time because it's all, it's really all in the, well, it's a, the the basic start of it is with the vinyl. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's it's more there, but it's, you know, as far as the 90s go, most of the dudes that was making noise, almost all of them had vinyl records out. You know what I'm saying? And then in the 80s, there was... There's dudes that's still around that have the cassettes of a lot of that stuff that was going on. Like it's it's around. It's just a matter of finding it and you know and getting it and putting it all together. But it's it's mm. it's definitely there and it's around and and I, it really needs to be documented. You know what I'm saying? Like because it's it's insane and that's uh, you know a lot of a big part of it is you know a lot of people just don't know the history. You know what I'm saying? They don't know what was going on back then. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Some people don't even think that it was even hip hop going on back then here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, and like, like you yo, we had. A rich history of that, even before you know, even like you know when people got was getting on from DC. You know what I'm saying? Like, there wasn't a lot of rap going on in DC. Yet. It was more mainly go go. You know what I'm saying? And then they yeah. came to surpass us with you know with their MCs that started coming out. You know what I'm saying? And now it's like yo, it's you know we still we get left. You know what I'm saying? Because nobody really knows the history. That's one thing that um you know when I went to Howard in 2005. It was like, you know, the time when Wale, start, uh, he put out his first two mixtapes that were, you know, on a local level. And he had the Dig Dug record and he had the joint um, Roll With A Hundred. Eh, ain't nobody wanted that joint. Yeah. And, um, you know, 
I kind of felt a certain type of way because it's like y'all came down the East Coast, like y'all came to New, like you know, started in New York, birthed in New yes. York, the Mecca or whatever. Then you come to Philly, then you just skip over Baltimore and go to DC, <laughs> and I'm just like, yo, what? <laughs> and it's like, yo, I know so many dope groups and people and stuff, you know, even myself and everything. Like, you know, we've had so much different type of things that's going on here, and. You know, different conversations I've had now with different people is like, um, you know, now is Baltimore's time to shine because, you know, the riots and all the stuff that we yeah, get in right. the media and everything. And so, you know, you look at uh, St. Louis and you look at somebody like, um, I don't know if you're up on Tef Poe, but he was like deep in that Ferguson movement and everything. And he dropped this album and he's starting to get some, you know, like some notoriety and some St. Louis um, cats are starting to really get on. So it's yeah. like, you know, people in Baltimore, it's like, okay, you know, now we come in here and we have our own uprising and everything like that. So maybe some Baltimore artists can start getting on that in that type of way. But at the same time, you still get discouraged because for 15, you know, for so many years, we've had so much attention on us. Right. You know, you know like uh, television wise, when you look at the wire, look at the corner. Yeah. And, like, you look at The Wire, I've seen people who I know in The Wire, like, rappers from Baltimore in The Wire, and yep. it, it just never really pops off. And I'm just like, why? Yeah, it's crazy. I, I, I've been really trying to figure it out. I've been racking my brain for, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, for years. Yeah, like, I still and, haven't figured it out. Yeah, and there's certain instances where you can be like, okay, this is the reason why this didn't mess Oh, oh, or like you know this is the reason why this particular situation didn't pop off but you know for the whole of the whole city and it's like you know now um i guess when you look at um somebody like uh, uh take cobain who came up and he did the bank rolls joint and now he signed the 300 um i was curious to hear your thoughts on that oh i mean i love it you know what i'm saying I, like yeah. i said i put up a um uh a post you know of his of you know of him the other day because i'm like yo i'm I'm all for whoever's coming out of here. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't even up on, like, I, I, I didn't get up on a lot of these dudes until, you know, I'm an older, older cat now. So, you know what I'm saying? My homeboys, their kids is like 16. You know what I'm saying? So I actually got a chance to do the DJ. I, and I don't even DJ these events, but for my homeboy, I did it. I, I You know, I DJ his daughter's Sweet 16 party. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, you know, trying to do some research on, you know who who the kids listen to, so they I'm you know so I, and I crammed in like a week all of these dudes from here that's making noise, and I'm just listening. You know what I'm saying? I'm just getting all this music and stuff, and I'm like, damn, I had no idea who these cats was. You know what I'm saying? But you know, I, I'm all for pushing pushing. You know the, the the next generations trying to get them the knowledge of you know of what I learned and all that stuff. So you know, it, you know it's whatever because that's that's how you got to be in order yeah. for something to happen. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I think for a long time, you know, even especially in the club world, my generation in the club world went against the black stars and them dudes a little too much. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because it didn't sound the way that we we did it. So, mm. you know what I'm saying? So I, I think if that even that would have been a little bigger had we pushed them a little more and gave, you know, gave them the knowledge that we had. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So I'll make it a point to, you know, whatever I can do. For any of these dudes, it's whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And like now, you, you like now, um, I guess club music kind of falls under the uh, EDM category. 
Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, certain people, like, it's kind of weird the way, because everything is based off categories and putting you in a box and things like that. And um, it's like, you know, it feels like to me, um, if you want to make it in the club world, you got to, you got to kind of, um, and you got to kind of like go EDM with it and, and, and um, you know, I guess, a, you know, uh, trap me. I, I mean, it was dubstep, but now it's like, yeah. you know, the kind of, um, the kind of um, trap music thing. And yeah. you know, when I hear it, I'm like, yo, this is what we've been doing for, right. you know, since I was, I was, you know, in middle school elementary school and it's like yo this is nothing new really and um it's just crazy how we just keep getting over <laughs> like that yes yeah, yeah it's it's man it's ridiculous like it's just you know i mean we you know that's why i said i hope that you know this generation of dudes like you know i, I hope somebody somebody gotta you know break the ice that's all that's really all it is like and then i think it'd just be a floodgate because everybody is you know it's a yeah. lot of talent here and like um, one thing with you is, um, you know, you rock with uh, Mully Man, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, Mully Man, he's a good like, you know, you, like like I remember my encounters with him back in the day. I think um, he moved to Atlanta, right? Yeah, yeah, he's down in Atlanta now doing his thing. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, he's a good dude. He put out a good. Jo- I remember back in the day on Strictly Hip Hop when I first heard the M to the U to the L Y man, like that yeah. joint and everything like that. And just you know, coming up to um, to uh, when Jay Z said I go harder than Baltimore, and then he flipped the joint and everything like that. Yeah. And you know how um, and then he did the mixtape with Who Kid, and you know you had a lot. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you had some uh, influence on that. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, yeah, I did. Um, I produced. Um, harder than Baltimore. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. produced. Um, like we 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 linked up. Uh, you know, probably like I want to say '06 or something like that. And then um, we just started making joints. You know what I'm saying? And we you know we kind of formed a you know alliance. Me, him, and um, my man, unbelievable. And we just you know we was basically the two main producers for him from that point all the way through all those other projects. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Even to now, I'm actually um working on a new project with him now. Okay, yeah, that's about, what's up. Uh, yeah, so we definitely, uh, yeah. So you know, we we made some good strides. You know, we had a little run on MTV jams, and you know, it was a lot of lot of stuff going on. That who that who kid party? That that party was crazy. That was mm. yeah, that was slick. That oh, was yeah. just party for the big state. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No big state. I forgot all about that. Yeah, so yeah. that was that was dope. So yeah, that was. I mean, you know. There's been some dudes, man. I, you know, and all these dudes still talented. They still crazy. You know what I'm saying? I was listening to some um, boss man stuff the other day. I'm just like, yo, dumb nice. You know, it's like it's still, you know, Scar. And I mean, it's so many people that you know, you know, just get overlooked. And it's just like I'm, you know, we like we gonna keep pushing though. That's for sure. That's what I said. Now I'm just in a position where now I'm just trying to, you know, like you know, do my thing, but, you know, I, I'm definitely trying to lend whatever I can to whoever need it, you know what I'm saying, like, so we can make it, you know, make it happen. Yeah, like, one thing that I was, um, and I think we both were shocked about is how, you know, looking you up, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's not a lot of interviews with you and stuff like that, and, you know, we're like, yo, you know, you're one of the dudes who, like, started everything, 
you know, in turn, you know, in terms of hip hop, club music, you know, whatever in Baltimore, like, 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 you know, you're one of the dudes to talk to. So we're like, you know, yeah. we got to get Boo Man on the podcast. You know, we're gonna get our podcast popping. We're gonna get into Baltimore, uh, the history and culture and everything like that. Like, we got yeah. to talk to Boo Man, and it's like, you know, um, even that gets, you know, that aspect of it of. Um, of uh you know just legendary status it gets kind of overlooked sometimes and it, it you know it's just crazy to me yeah it's it's, so. it's something with this city that you know that we I definitely want to fix you know what i'm saying like this is definitely a, a good thing though because you know like 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 you said people have to know the the history and you know just be aware of exactly what's going on you know what i'm saying that's mm-hmm. why i'm good y'all got this podcast and, and Stuff like that, because it's like, we, you know, we got to start documenting this stuff because that, you know, that's a big part of it. You know what I'm saying? A big part of it is, is having hard copies of what went on, you know, when it went on, that kind of stuff. That's mm-hmm. why I said a lot of this, you know, a lot of the, especially with the Baltimore hip hop and with the club music, it's, you know, if you start with the vinyl, then that's the, you know, that's a good starting point. You know what I'm saying? And then you can, you know, kind of travel backwards and forwards from there. Mm. But, you know, the, the hard copies of that vinyl is always going to say, all right, this was these people. Then they had their people. You know what I'm saying? And you actually and, and everybody's still around. You know what I'm saying? That's the thing. Like, so there's a, it's a few people that might, uh, you know, uh, might live out of town or whatever. But most of mostly all these people still reachable. I mean, we try to interview everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's nothing. We can we can, you know, we can make that happen all day because I'm, you know, I'm still I'm I'm. Pretty much good. I came up around, you know, everybody. So, you know, we, we, we can definitely make that happen. That's, that's a, up, that's man. A, that's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we would definitely appreciate that. And, um, you know, coming from the, um, I guess, coming from the uh, vinyl aspect of it, one question that I have, like, were there vinyl pressing plants here? Or, like, how did that whole whole situation work? Oh, yeah, it was, well, it was none here. We used to... Um, we used to either use it was a spot I think it was like outside of Philly called Disc Makers. Mm-hmm. Um, they you know they were popular because they were a little more commercial, and then you had um, I think it was I think they were called Europa Disc. Um, I forgot where they out of, and then it, it was a spot in Miami too that um, they used to press up stuff. We uh, we used to actually get like the little dub plates pressed up there. You know what I'm saying? Like because I, I you know I used to when I like was um, rolling around with with the hip hop groups I was dealing with I would go. And you had to pay like, you know, $40 or $50 or something, but you could get those real thick dub plates. But I used to like to do my shows. I never liked to use dats and all that stuff. So even if we didn't have the vinyl pressed up, I would get dub plates pressed up by the instrumentals so I can still do, you know, do our shows live on the turntables. You know what I'm saying? So it was most, it was, I, I don't remember any spots here that did it locally, but it was definitely like three or four major spots where everybody would get their vinyl pressed up. You know what I'm saying? But I know I know disc makers was real heavy, and I know Europa Disc was was one of the big ones, and um, mm-hmm. they were definitely uh like the main you know some of the main spots. Hmm. So um so so keeping with the whole idea of vinyl was um Eternal Corporation um a label in Baltimore in like the the mid nineties. The Eternal Corporation. Yeah, because um, because uh, what's interesting about Parafruit and uh, Third World Assassins is if you look at like um, if you look up some of their vinyl, um, a lot of the vinyl that 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 you can buy is based in Europe, so you can only get get, uh, get the shit imported now. But I know with like Third World Assassins, it says that that stuff came out only on Eternal Corporation. Oh yeah, I'm not sure what they um, I'm not sure what that spot is. 
I'm not even familiar with that. You put me up on something with, with that one. Yeah, well, um, well, we, well, we, we, uh, we have, we got two tracks. We, we can uh, send them off to you um, yeah. if you if you want to hear them. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely was. Yeah, I got. Yeah, I'm. Um, yeah, I got. I, I'm not familiar with um with that company. I know, I know everybody was using those, a lot of those other spots. And then and there was a lot of other, I mean, a lot of other pressing plants at that time, you know, just, you know, you, and you basically shop for, you know, what you could get the cheapest, you know what I'm saying? Like at that point, it was like, you know, putting up money for, you know, to get stuff pressed up, you know, that was definitely, definitely a commitment. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Now with yeah. MP3s and all that stuff, it's all good. You can just make something and put it out the same day. But back then getting that vinyl pressed up was crazy. Do you feel like, um, like in terms of hip hop and club music in general, like in the city now, do you feel like um, with the advent of new technology, it makes people who aren't necessarily as talented shine through? Or like, um, you know, just with the opportunities presented, do you feel like people who aren't necessarily taking advantage of it? Or like, you know, you know, I feel like, you know, now we have the opportunity to have this type of distribution. Like, you can go to DistroKid, you can go to TuneCore, you can go to Reverb. Yeah. Like, it's like so many avenues that people can take that they don't. And it's like, you know, when I was coming up, um, you know, in hip hop, it was the five seasons, and that was yeah, where you, yeah. you know, got your start and everything like that. And it's like, you know, five. 10 years later, damn, like 10 years later, I'm getting old as shit now, <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's like, it's the same thing and people haven't gotten out of that. Yeah, people people don't, t I mean, like I look at the technology now and I just, I, you know, and, and, you know, without sounding like an old man, you know what I'm saying? I just be like, yo, yeah, like these kids, they got it so much easier because like being an artist back then was a commitment monetarily number one because you know we didn't have uh, you know you couldn't record into your laptop and all that like you had to actually make a commitment of paying some engineer going to a studio you know what i'm saying and and record and you know like our first couple studio sessions they straight got us because we didn't know what we was doing so we was going in with a stack of records and coming out five hours later and only had one beat and it didn't even sound like you know you know, what we wanted it to sound like, not even recording no vocals or nothing, you know what I'm saying? So it was just like, and you know, you look at that kind of stuff and then you had to actually, you know, put up, you know, your money to, to get the vinyl pressed up. Now you can, I mean, you can basically wake up at, at 12 o'clock, record a song by one, make a cover, you know what I'm saying? Make your artwork, put it out, you know what I'm saying? Go through the channels and it'll, in a day, a day or two later, it could be up with a video mm -hmm. shot and everything. You could do all that within a day or two. Yeah. And have it everywhere. Your video, your song, it, it can be ready to be sold, all that shit. You know what I'm saying? All in that little bit of time frame, that can all be done just like with a snap of a finger. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, I just be looking at people like, yo, you're just not taking advantage of the stuff that you have. And, and mind you, you can get this all across the world. You ain't got to send out no mailers or vinyl or cassettes or CDs and nothing like that. You can mm -hmm. get that and get it to everybody. You know what I'm saying? It's it's you know, people just not taking taking advantage mm -hmm. of what they got right in front of them. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah. kind of crazy to me. Yeah, That's like, like yo, you got options. You got those options, and you got 
everybody and their mother DJing now, so you can get it to everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like you just, you know, it's just, yeah. you know, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, and it's crazy because all this social networking and, <laughs> and I wish we had a lot of that stuff back then. We'd be filthy rich by now. Yeah, because like I'll be thinking like, um, you know, now you know, like now that we're doing the podcast, you know, when I was um coming up, you know. If I would have have your phone number, it would have been a, like a big deal. Like, like you know, that would have changed my life back in the day. And now I can just hit you up on Twitter. And like now yeah. we're doing this interview. We're having a conversation. And it wasn't like that back in the day. Like, you know, and like me, you know, I'm, I'm 28 right now. But it's like, um, you know, I kind of came up in the transition of the things. And yeah, so yeah. I kind of got like the like the difference of, um, you know, what's going on now and what's going on then. And it's crazy because, you know, we talk about certain people and it's like now you can just hit them up on social media and they'd be like, yo, we be good with this. Like, like yeah, yep. And they'll answer. And, you know, you can, you know, and it's, it's, it's crazy. Like, it's just just like that. Like, you can set up. You could do, I mean, people do everything now online. You know what I'm saying? You got conference online, video conference, and then you can conduct business. You could, you know, every, like you could do everything. You can, you can record with somebody that's on the other side of the country or, you know, whatever. Like it's all wide open. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm like, you know, that's what I said. I yeah. love it. Like some people, when it, you know, went against the technology and all that stuff, like especially when like stuff like Serato came into effect. You know what I'm saying? Like I was one of the one of the first cats that that had it when it got hit. Well, like my homeboy was probably I'm gonna say the first dude in the city who had it. My man, uh, uh, cut man, Lord Kassim, used to DJ for um for Master Ace, and mm. he put me up on. And he like I went to his crib. He was like, "Yo, I got this shit." He was like, "Man, I seen this this program." He was like, "Yeah, I, I didn't even when he explained it to me, I didn't even really get the concept of what the hell he was talking about." I'm like, yo, I don't even understand what you like. What are you saying? Like, you, you're like, yo, you can mix with the laptop. I'm like, yo, I don't, I really don't understand what you're saying. So I went to his house and I saw, like, he's a trick DJ, like a battle DJ. Mm. And I saw him doing all these battle tricks. And I'm like, wait a minute, but this is coming. The music is, you coming from the MP3? Like, this shit was insane to me. You know what I'm saying? I was mm. like, yeah, this technology shit is crazy. Like, we, you know, we come from the era of carrying, you know, you got to go to a club, you taking like, seven eight big ass crates of records and you know it's ridiculous <laughs> uh, now i can i just pack you know throw something in, the, in, the, in my backpack you know what i'm saying like a lot of gigs i do you, uh, controller, you know what i'm saying like it's crazy you know speak, speaking of mixing uh you, you mentioned like you know way earlier i'm um, in this interview about how you know club music was strictly mixed only for um, the sound systems within the clubs in Baltimore, and uh, I was always curious to know if, um, like the like the very early, like the real, like the first five, you know, Baltimore club tracks, or whatever, like that. Um, if you can remember um, vividly enough, were, like did they, did they just like sound like shit? Since like no one really didn't have like you know kind of like an idea of like where this thing was going during that time period. No, nah, they would. I mean, everything, all the early stuff was dope only because they was all still DJs and they was all, you know, making this to play at the, you know, for their sets in the clubs and stuff. So, you know, this was these was basically like the, the early stuff was a lot of um stuff that was familiar from those, you know, other records that we knew. But they just went and looped it and added, you know, extra bass kicks or, you know, whatever, extra little 
samples and stuff just to you know to, to spice it up so that you know that's the early stuff was was still dope you know what i'm saying i can't think of a like any early stuff i mean you know every everybody had their you know hits and misses and stuff and even like i got you know a computer full of stuff that nobody ever had because it just to me it was wax i never put you know did nothing with it or you know whatever you know what i'm mm -hmm. saying so that was but you know it was like that all the early stuff it was still all because it was all the thing is you still whatever you did you had to make sure people was going to dance to it because they, you know, they would let you know that, you know, that's the thing about, you know, presenting that music in that way. Like, it's it's no time to be like, you don't have time to, for people to form opinions. It's like, <laughs> I make something, I take it to the DJ or I'm play it and, and I'm going to know right away whether it's hot or it's not. You know what I'm saying? And that's the thing, you know, that's the okay. thing about, and you know, so in Oh, no, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, and so um, I, I guess like like kind of going back to you know the divisions between East and West. So like when when Baltimore Club like starts rising like in like a, let's say like you know early '90s to, to mid '90s and you know they're starting to get like some type of radio play. Um, let's say if you're like a like an East Coast cat and you go to a club on, like a club on the um, on the West side, well, would there be like certain people like you know? They may say, "Oh, we're not playing your shit because you know, you, uh, you know, you're an East Side dude." I mean, it wasn't really a division like that. I mean, you had your, um, like your neighborhoods. They might have a certain record that you know that's chanting their, you know, their their neighborhood or something in the record or something like that. Like you would have that kind of stuff, but it wasn't like um, any like division, you know, as far as uh, you know, because all you know, all the music I played and most of the records that we made, we was we was shouting out East Side, West Side, South Side, and you know, or we would go deeper into like what neighborhoods, but we always would would cover, you know, all of the major neighborhoods on you know across the whole city. You know what I'm saying? So it was never like, um, you know, I can't. I mean, of course, you had like records like EA and stuff like that, but mm. you know, that record was still big everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Even outside, I, I still be tripping when I hear people out of town screaming EA, EA. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't really know what really what it mean. You know what I'm saying? It's just you know, like one of them things. So it's like it's you know. But it was it wasn't really like a big division that I could remember because I you know mm -hmm. most of the records were shouting all of the sides and all that stuff so mm -hmm. so so um so up to this point what is your biggest club record you said was my my biggest club record mm -hmm. uh it would have to be between well pick 'em up is probably you know between pick 'em up and watch out for the big girl watch out for the big girl I did the I did the the beat for it, and then um, Jimmy Jones did the the vocals. You know what I'm saying for that particular one, and then uh, you know pick them up. Me and uh, KW Griff did that record together. You know what I'm saying we was all we, we all three was always a team. It's just you know division of who did what record. You know, but we all did all, all those records was all done in the same place. You know what I'm saying and any given person, but it was just like all right, we did this record together, or you know what I'm saying that kind of thing. You know, we might have a solo project, or you know we basically we basically was just. Whatever, you know what I'm saying? Because we was making so many records, but, you know, they, they're the two biggest, you know, to date is Pick'em Up and Big Girl. Mm. So, so when it comes to, like, you know, finding, like, that, that right vocal chart to throw over, like, that, that break beat, is there, like, a, like a, uh, a specific process, uh, you know, that you go through? Because I guess, you know, like, I, I guess, like, uh, with sampling in general. Mm -hmm. You can pre you can loop anything, but just because you loop something doesn't mean that's really going to like you know have that sound like or just have yeah. it. You know what I'm saying? So like, is there like a certain well I, I know like you know there's certain type of words, but like you know when it comes to like maybe you know 
the uh, I don't know, like like the grittiness, like you know, if it, like if you can tell, like you know, the vocals come from the belly or something like that. Is, is this like something like that that you look for for when it comes to, to vocals um within your club tracks? Yeah, I mean, with club vocals, if I'm if I'm sampling something that's that's not because uh, you know having um, Jimmy Jones is like having you know like a Lil John or because you know he he can just go in and he can go in and just come up with a chant you know, just that quick, you know what I'm saying? But outside of that, if I'm just sampling, <coughs> sampling, a, you know, like a random vocal, it's always mm-hmm. something that's like, uh, I mean, they mainly come from, from powerful, you know, vocalists, you know what I'm saying? Like Busta Rhymes or Lil John or, uh, you know, you know, stuff that, you know, you know, that you might hear on a Luke record, or, you know what I'm saying? Like those types of things, like those were most of the things that we were sampling was that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Stuff that was just powerful. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it, the records that you sampling from already had the crowd crazy for whatever record it was. You know what I'm saying? Like that, like that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was always about, it was always about the crowd and how hype you can get somebody and how, you know what I'm saying? Like Onyx, like the, the pick them up joint. Like that was, you know, that was the, the most, some of the most powerful parts in that song. You know what I'm saying? He's like, ah, I got struck by lightning and thunder. Something I'm in the tundra. Pick him up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We just took the ah and I pick him up and just let it go. You know what I'm saying? Like, just those types of things. Just, you know what I'm saying? Like, those real powerful vocalists. That's what always was, will, you know, work well with club records because the drums is just so stupid and so crazy. And then the pace of the record, you know what I'm saying? And then when you put that, that, that vocal on there that's just already getting people hyped, you know what I'm saying? It just make them even more crazy. Mm. Now, now, when it comes to your drum, uh, you, you know, your, your breakbeat selection, um, when you, uh, when you, when, when you layer them with like other drums, specific kind, like, do you go for like a 909 or a 707 or 808 specifically? Well, we got, we got this, and this is, most people have been trying to, like some people to this day still try to hit me up to buy this, but there's this there's a Baltimore drum call, it's just labeled bass kick. And it was a disc that floated around through the ASR ten at throughout those years. I mean it's always been a debate on who actually created that one, but I, I, I like I think I have that. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just called bass kick and that's it. And it's it's been sampled and resampled a million times, but that kick sounds the best on Baltimore club music. Like you could take an 808 from a machine, you could take 808s from these uh, these sample CDs and all that kind of shit, but the best 808 kick is called Bass Kick. That was the name of it on the disc. I know I got it. I can't remember where the hell I got it from or who I got it from. I know that um, my man Lab Tech 1, his, his, uh, one of his peoples um, had something to do with that kick. You know what I'm saying? It was a kit that, mm-hmm. that, you know, it started out with just everybody was using that kit. And, you know, once it started getting traded around, that was it. And we started using it in the club music. And then after a while, everybody started sampling it. And to this day, you're going to find that in most of the Baltimore club music. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, who it's up for debate who actually created it. I know Lab will probably know a little more about it, that actual kick. But that joint, like, it, it sound the best in the club music. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy and, and like, I still I use other I still use other kicks and stuff for variations, but mm-hmm. you really want to make a club banger that, that bass kick. That's the one. And you know, I downloaded the Baltimore kit, and that is in there like bass kick. It's, yeah, that's, that's it right it. there. Yep, that's yeah, the yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I had that too, but you you know, it, it's crazy that you know you like that. 
that you say that you know like if you really want your shit to hit you you gotta go for for that this mysterious bass kick but then it makes yeah. a lot of sense since you know you're saying that you know this has been passed around like the cd has been passed around for years with this bass kick on it and you know since it was during that time you know of course it was obviously you know built around mm-hmm. being like that perfect drum kick for the um the systems throughout all the clubs in baltimore yeah. Yep. And this is and this the same really with like, good. you know, like when, when you think of trap music, you know that that eight oh eight and that, that snare, you know what I'm saying? Like it's certain ones that, that this is the signature. Like this is what you need when you when you making this, this is what you need. You know what I'm saying? When you making some uh, underground hip hop joint, then it's certain drums that's always gonna be stupid. You know what I'm saying? Like no matter how many times you use that shit, it, like you know what I'm saying, it's always it, like it's just certain Certain ones is always like that kick is always going to be that for club music. You know what I'm saying? Mm. That, that joint, like uh, you know, I can't even like I can't even name how many times I used it. It's still using it to this day. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> so do you have like any like uh, like any like type of like drums or like specific you know bass lines or something that like are um, a part of I guess the Baltimore club canon to for I guess to to um for lack of a better term that really isn't like circulating on the internet within these Baltimore drum kits right now. I mean, I got I got some tricks that I that I do with as far as like uh, EQing certain certain um because I, I use like I I could, I'll use a stock sound but I'll sam- I'll resample it and then I got certain ways that I EQ things that you know that I, you know, a lot of time, I, you know, some people be wondering what it is or, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I like to, I like to play around with, with EQing and I also like to play around with, uh, with layering a lot of drums in different ways. And, and it'll sound like it's one loop, but it's really, it's really more than that. Like, that's why a lot of people can't get a lot of the stuff that we did because it's like, no, nah, it wasn't just one loop. We, you know, that was a lot of different little bits and pieces. And, and it sounds like it was one, you know, just one continuous loop, but it was more, more to it than a lot of people think mm. you know what i'm saying so that was you know that was a lot because a lot of people especially in the last you know like maybe 10 years or so like when it when it started getting popular and you know all these pop groups and stuff started trying to you know like emulate the sound they would just take the one kick and do the you know the one pattern and they say oh yeah this is a b more track like nah, that's that's bullshit what you're doing that's you know like we it's way way more complex than what than you think you know what i'm saying it's not you know people just think it's just that kick pattern and you just say a little chant and that's it. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, nah, it's, it's deeper than that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, it's you, you, uh, that you say that because, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like back in the day when I was like 11, 12 and, you know, uh, you know, I, um, I remember like, you know, you, uh, like, you know, Raw Lee shit when it came out, mm-hmm. I think like the first, I can't, I can't think of the name. I, think, I know it has something to do with, like, 9 o'clock something, but it's like, it was, like, the CD cover, like, with, like, if you flip it to the back with, like, the track list is, he's, like, kind of, like, sleeping on the table. Yeah. And, you know, I pictured that, like, you know, like, that type of sound and, like, yours, and it's, like, it's, like, a, it's, like, a distinct type of sound, like, the way, like, the drums are kind of, like, spaced out and stuff like that and things, yeah. like, the drums just sound, like, a bit more fuller, and then you, you know, and then you come, like, to, I guess... I guess let's say like the second or like maybe third generation of Baltimore club music where you have Black Star and you know and other people coming up and that shit is like more bare and like more bare and like kind of yeah, like yeah. rough and more yeah, like grimy yeah, like yeah, 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 it's because so like, we you know we were we were, like I said our our influence was more heavily from 
you know, the house music and the hip hop. So we, you know, I, like, I, I just think the way that we layer stuff was is different. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, cause I know personally, I still, to this day, when I make a club joint, I, I add a lot more stuff and stuff that even if it's just a hint, it might not even be that high in the track, but it's enough to make a difference. And, and you, like, you feel it, you'll feel it in the club. You know what I'm saying? You'll feel that difference in the club. You know what I'm saying? And just layering the bass kicks and stuff like that. And one thing, like, you know, like, when you're doing hip-hop, a lot of times, um, you know, you're dealing with a certain type of song structure, which mm -hmm. is, you know, 16-bar verse, 8-bar hook, you know, rinse and repeat, you know, three times, and you got a song. Um, is there, like, a type of structure to club music that um, that people might not know about? I mean, that's it's, a really good question. Of, uh, yeah, that is a good question. It's more of a feel, like, it has a lot to do with, um, you know, coming from a DJ standpoint of, you know, when you playing a record, like it could, the record could be a dope record. It could be a dope five minute record, but you're not going to play all five minutes of any particular record. So making kind of structuring club music is like, you got to kind of give it parts, you know, enough to get their attention, bring them up to a certain point, drop them back down. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's kind of all based on, you know, it's based on on people that you know for 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 me anyway. And I know that the generation that you know, like that's why I said a lot of people, a lot of the dudes that kind of do stuff now. I can you know I can listen to it and tell that they never really been in clubs. They kind of making it for the structure of maybe like radio or the structure of somebody listening to it in a different way. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So like the things when we make things like you know the the just even the buildup of the tracks and stuff like that, that buildup is for a reason. Cause that's that, that buildup actually gets people, you know, gives them a certain kind of feeling in the club when they dancing, you know what I'm saying? So it's all based on that kind of DJ theory. Like when we, like when we doing stuff, you know, that, you know, in, you know, on those tracks or whatever, it's based on that DJ theory. Like, all right, now I'm going to hit them with this shit. You know what I'm saying? It's 12 o'clock. It's time to, you know, we got, you know, 12 o'clock. The party over at two, this is the time that, you know, when you DJing, this is the time, it's time to go in. Like, you playing your records, when they get to 12, 12, 30, it's time to, you know, pull out all your shit now. You know what I'm saying? Like, all right, mm -hmm. this one, we get ready to get it in. So that's the kind of mentality you got when you're making a club joint. Like, you started, you know, started off with a little whatever to give the DJ enough time to bring the record in. By the time you get to that eighth bar, then you try, you know, hit them with something. And then, you know, as you go along... Now, all right, I got them. Now we can build it up. Then I'm gonna drop the bass on the ass, and then that's when it's going stupid. You know what I'm saying? And that's you know that's basically how it is. Like it's, but you know even the, even the, the younger generation they they get it too. Like you know what I'm saying when they like even the dudes that do a lot of like the gunshots and all that kind of stuff. You know they know when to bring those parts in to when those dudes is dancing to. You know what I'm saying like oh this when they get ready, this the part where they get ready to go crazy. You know what I'm saying it's it's all based on that really. Mm. I was curious to know, like, you know, especially with, you know, certain tracks, like, watch out for the big girl. Mm -hmm. Like, 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 if you have any crazy memories of crazy shit that just happened in the club while you were in there. Yeah, man, like, <laughs> I mean, it's so, I mean, it's so many, like, memories, like, the, the club, I mean, I done been, like, we done been in parties where it, it's a guy insane, you know what I'm saying, like, you know, you know, without getting too crazy, it's just like, like, like a lot of those parties, like, 
it's even been I, I've seen parties where those tracks and cause like heavy ass fights or it's gonna cause heavy ass like you know what I'm saying damn near sexual activity you know what I'm saying mm. like that's the type <laughs> of you know what I'm saying like when when it was when that music was at its height especially back then it was ridiculous like it was re- I mean it was so ridiculous that sometimes you wouldn't even believe the type of shit that was going on like mm. yeah it was crazy it was definitely crazy mm. thought about it and like some of the drum patterns um like some of the drum patterns, like like you know, I listen to a lot of like uh, reggae music, and like mm-hmm. when I listen to reggae, it's like sometimes the club music, like like oh, like even like soca and uh, calypso, yeah, yeah, kind of like a similar type of thing that's going on. So I was wondering, like, if there was any type of like uh, Caribbean influence into it as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it you know it it is you know what I'm saying like the thing is is like whether whether people even know it or not it it is you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like you know just just from all of those like all of these different things like like you got to imagine like house music and then and then hip hop and then you got the shit that luke was doing and then you got the techno stuff and you because the thing is as dj's we was playing in a night you're going to play all of that stuff at some point you're going to play a reggae set you're going to play a you know so all of those things was just you just pouring all of that stuff in when you making something. So whether you know it or not, you you know you being influenced by so many different things. You know what I'm saying? Even down to you know just the, the chants and all that stuff. It's, it, you know it comes from somewhere. It's not you know it's not like you know everything we doing is so super original. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not even that. It's just that it's our rendition of all of that stuff that we was getting from all of these different things. You know what I'm saying? Even down to you know the funk, the soul stuff, and all that, all, like all that stuff. Yeah, like, I mean it all, it all comes from somewhere. I was like, like, you know, like, you know, I kind of like live my life based off hip hop lyrics sometimes. So like Noah said it best when he said, you know, it's no ideas original. It's nothing new under the sun. Never what you do is how it's done. And, you know, that's exactly, you know, the type of thing that you're talking about. And, you know, going back in the MCs, I was wondering what, which, uh, like, I guess, you know, it's kind of cliche to say your top five because, you know, it's kind of yeah. hard to say your top five. But, you know, who are your top MCs in the game? Um, all right. So I always struggle with this, mm-hmm. but I rock him definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, damn. And I always go, go crazy with this. Um, uh, and see, it is, it's hard for me to because I always feel like I got to do it in in terms of of generations, you know what I'm saying? Because it's hard for me to say, like, because I got a generation where I'm I'm like, yo, Rakim, KRS, Cool G Rap, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then at the same time, I'm looking at, you know, I was a, I was a, a fan, I was a Biggie fan. Uh, you know, Jay Z got, you know, he got had his early Jay Z had his moments. Um, I mean, you talking about? I mean, Farrell Monch. I mean, mm. I mean it's it's so hard. It's it's hard for me to even answer that question, honestly. To make a top five, I always struggle with it. When somebody asks me that, I always struggle with that shit because it's so many different periods of MCs that I respect. You know what I'm saying? Even for his generation, Melly Mel was the shit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like who was rapping like that at that time? You know what I'm saying? Like that kind of thing. So I mean, it's 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 hard. It's hard for me to say. But I mean, if I had to pick, I'm definitely I gotta have Rakim in there. I gotta have. Damn, I'm gonna say KRS. Uh, damn, G Rap. Um, 
I'm a Nas fan. You know what I'm yeah. saying? He's my top uh, all time. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a Nas fan all day. Um, man, it's hard to say because I mean, you got damn, it's <laughs> it's tough. It's tough for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pick a pick a five, but it, it's some somewhere in that realm. You know what I'm saying? Of those mm-hmm. that caliber of MC like a Rockem, a Nas, KRS. You know what I'm saying? Somebody that's really saying shit that really. You know, put an impact on the game with the, you know, lyrically. You know what I'm saying? Not just about being a superstar and all that kind of shit. Yeah. Like, like those are the types of dudes that lyrically I'm, you know, I look up to. Yeah, me personally, I just recently threw most deaf into my top five. Yeah. Most deaf is crazy. Yeah. I mean, oh man. Yeah. Crazy. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's so many. Like in so many different moments. It's like it's insane. Like, damn. Yeah. Yeah, and like um, coming from like a Baltimore perspective, and you know, just currently now, um, how much in tune or how much are you paying attention to like everything that's going on now, and, and like 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 who new, um, like like what new artists are you working with coming up? Um, as far as new cats, like some of the new new cats, I like I don't a lot of them I don't know. I'm up on them, and um. You know, I'm I'm down to work with anybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, on the real, like I, you know, traditionally I work with, you know, pretty much, you know, all the dudes that's of a certain era. I didn't work with all of them to some capacity. Boss Man, Scar, Mully, you know, all of those dudes. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, I worked with like Greenspan before. I worked with, damn, I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, trees. I never, I never did not with Tim Trees, but you know, we I, like, I feel like we, we got a record that we need to do. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I, with Tim, I definitely feel like, you know, and every time I see him, it's all love. So it's that, that's probably just a matter of making something happen. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I'm, you know, I'm down to work with any, you know, any of these casters, you know, any, any of the new cats, like I'm down with that. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, I like, I like what, um, the dude Tate did on the, on the bankroll shit. I, you know, I fuck with that, that whole style that he did on that. You know what I'm saying? I, I yeah. That, you know what I'm saying? But it's, you know, I mean, but it's, it's so many, so many dudes here that's talented. You know what I'm saying? That's what I say. I, you know, I want to record with everybody. So, you know what mm. I'm saying? I, that's where I'm at with it. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's what your album is for and everything like that. And yeah, I'm definitely yeah, looking yeah, that's, that's what that. I'm kind of sifting through now. You know, of course, you know, I'd be tripping if I, um, like uh, you know, of course, Mully, and of course, you know, Kane Mayfield, one of my top, you know, mm-hmm. dudes as far as lyrics go. Yeah, you know what I'm saying that's my that's my man. Like, you know, I'm trying to get in and do something with him on definitely on the album. Scar, where I didn't know, you know, I didn't know him for you know for years and years. You know what I'm saying? So it's you know it's a lot of dudes though, but I'm I'm down to Have work. Have you with done anything with Kettle at the Dawn? No, nah, I you know I, I never did nothing with um with him. I did um. We were supposed to. I, I'm trying to think. It was. It's a record that I got for him still. That that we just ain't really got around to actually doing it. You know what I'm saying? We've been talking about it for a, for a long time. We ain't really got to get in the studio yet. But I actually mm-hmm. got a record for him that I ain't that nobody else got. That I did it for him, and I know that you know what I'm saying this for him. Like yo, this joint will be crazy. And we just got to actually sit down and you know, like when I run, I haven't run into him in a while though. Mm-hmm. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty cool with pretty much everybody. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just around. I, you know, I'm not out and about as much as I used to be. But you know, I'm, I'm around. So you know, I, you know, it's, it's a matter of a phone call or just sending a, you know, sending something on Facebook or something. Not, you know, it's whatever. 
like people hit me up all the time, like, yo, let's just do something. You know, so that's what I'll be on. Yeah, I mean, that's why I'll be here now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's how I'll be. Like, yo, you hit me up, I'm like, yo, let's do it. You know what I'm saying? If I got the time, let's do that shit. So, so, um, uh, are there like any, um, like new Baltimore club, um, uh, producers that are coming interested in? Um, I guess the newest one that I really know of is like Murder Mark, but he really isn't all that new for real. Yeah, yeah, Mark been doing this thing. Like, I, like, I, you know, I met Mark like years ago. You know what I'm saying? I was, you know, I was building with him, um, uh, uh, uh James Nasty, like those, you know, like that era of dudes that came in. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and all of them they all you know they doing their thing and um you know probably the newest cat that i know that's 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 ill is juan like I, like he and he got a what's crazy is he got an old soul and i I can tell that his parents had to influence him some kind of way because of the stuff he sampled i'd be like yo that's he i mean he sounded like you know he sounded like what we was doing i was like damn that's eerie that he probably like i think he like 16 or something like that and he you know, doing it at that level is mm-hmm. ridiculous to me. I'm like, yo, he gonna be out of this. He out outrageous. You know what I'm saying? Like crazy. And you mm-hmm. know, so I mean, I definitely like the you know new generation of cats is doing it. So, all right, so all right, so like well, with the first generation, you know, it's kind of I guess like a more a more full of drums. Then you have like the um, the the black star era for lack of a better term it's more gritty more more gunshots and you have murder mark and you have you know uh, jawan and these two different kind of generations so um what are i guess um distinct differences within these two generations compared to the first two with you and black star black star generation i think i think with, with um with black star when he when he came in see because black star came in on the you know ushering out of our era into like the case with era and all that stuff. And like what he was doing was he was using a little more synth synthy kind of sounds and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, he was just telling it cause he like the, like he was like the, the, the singing stuff he was doing and some of that kind of stuff. And, and just sampling some of this, the way that he was sampling stuff was kind of ill. You know what I'm saying? Like as far as the vocal wise, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And it was like I, I just found like you know it's like like especially like slide to the left and all them joints like that. I was like yeah that that shit was crazy. It was definitely mm-hmm. crazy. Okay. Was definitely talented. So like so then like when it comes to like Murder Mark and Jawan like uh, what are they doing like that's new? Um, well Mark kind of he he's a, a a good balance between the traditional Baltimore sound and kind of that. EDM kind of, you know, a little more worldly kind of sound. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like, I feel like my thing is, if somebody's going to do that, it needs to be somebody from Baltimore. I, I, you know, like, he's the one that should be, if somebody going to be a big EDM slash Baltimore DJ, it should be somebody like that. You know what I'm saying? That's, mm-hmm. that's from here, that knows what it is, that's doing it and meshing it with the, you know, the other kind of things. You know what I'm saying? And Jawan to me is, Jawan is like, almost like a flashback of what we was doing. The structure, every, the way that he sampled, the way that he, I don't even understand how without nobody telling him that, like how he can get that kind of sound. Like, to me, it's, it's puzzling to me. At first, I thought it was somebody old, you know what I'm saying? Somebody just <laughs> try to, you know, say, for what we was really tripping. We was like, yo, it's somebody doing that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Saying that they this new kid and that they making these, you know, making these tracks and stuff. Because, 
he was sampling like the Love Boat and you know stuff like you know stuff that we would do. I'm like, yo, I, it either had to be an influence of his parents or something like that. But he said he always you know looked up to us through the the songs that he was listening to for his parents and stuff. So I was like, damn, that's crazy. Like that's mm. insane. Because I'm, I'm, so like um so like when it comes to Jawan like um is he like using using strictly um like software does he also implement like sound stuff like that to kind of get that sound? I think I, I think he uses software for the most part. You know what I'm saying? So I that's what that's really was making me like you know I'm you know like I said I, I'm 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 amazed at how like how he you know, took that, it, it, you gotta be talented to, to be able to get that kind of sound, like, even the way he layering his stuff and all that stuff is like, yo, he just, he doing his thing with that, and it's, you know, like, when you listen to it, you're like, damn, this shit is serious, and he ain't that young, you know what I'm saying, I'm, I'm I want to see what he's doing when he's, like, 25, you know what I'm saying, like, it's gonna be crazy. <laughs> that shit is definitely ill. So, like, when it comes to, you know, how, well, I mean, of course, like, you're, you know, of course, you're, you're, you're in these circles, so you're going to hear you're going to hear about these people. But is Baltimore Club still like, if like I don't know, like if like you know that 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 next big thing you know coming out of Baltimore, just coming out of the scene, is it still like underground to the point that you can really only find it in clubs, or is it more of an internet um thing now, or like more hearsay still? Yeah, I mean, well now I think that it's it's you know it kind of regressed back to being a, you know, for the most part, a local thing outside of people that, uh, you know, kind of, you know, taking the sounds and taking bits and pieces of it and, you know, making their own like pop hits and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think that there's, there's a resurgence coming because what, what we trying to do now is we're trying to like, what wouldn't, to, to me, what never got, what never got brought to the forefront was the fact that like everybody just feels like, if it's a certain BPM that if it's, we'll say this, the hood feels like if it's a certain BPM that it's got to be corny. And we're about to change that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm, I'm, that's my, my goal is finding artists and finding rappers and finding everybody to do some of the most grimy shit on a club record. I'm going to show them how to do it. And we're going to, and we're going to do it in a way that you're not going to really think of it that way like we, we i'm trying to change the the perception of it you know what i'm saying like i did it like I, I just i did a record maybe like a year and a half two years ago with comp um the joint called walk on by that mm. is going to give you a glimpse of exactly what that's going to be you know what i'm saying and when you hear that record and i used the old um i used um uh um the walk on by joint it wasn't the um isaac hayes one it was like i forgot what the uh Oh, okay. I wasn't. No, one day on Warwick. It was on. Oh shit! What was the damn name of the? Um, it was a female. I can't remember now. I got the record in here somewhere. I I, I tell you about air, so I can't remember the record. But I sampled that version of it and and put it in a club joint. And then we later got I later got Jimmy and um and Comp on that joint. And that to me that shit is crazy. And Comp rapping some regular Comp shit. You know what I'm saying? He not. You know, he he didn't had to compromise himself. He ain't saying nothing that seemed like it's, you know, just a silly dance record and nothing like that. It's like, you know, I'm trying to get people to realize, like, you can be whoever you need to be lyrically. It's just that the, the BPM is pushed a little bit. And oh, the man. funny thing is, yeah. I have people that tell me, oh, well, we don't want to do that. But you rap into a trap record that's just half the BPMs of what the club record is. 
Exactly. So you can like, rap to it. You yeah. are actually rapping to it. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, That's yeah. why it's like I hate when people tell me that. Yo, I can't rap to that. What you you rap to a trap song? So what are you saying? And you just you rap to the same page, just double. It's the same thing. You can rap exactly how you rap. It's a difference That's between it. like seventy BPM and one thirty. Like you just divide it by two. Yeah, it's like yo, it's you know. So I'm trying to tell but you know, but we gonna we gonna show them. We definitely gonna show them, and that's where like and 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 what we gonna put behind this is gonna be insane. So it's it's about to be a you know we about to have some we gonna have have some fun now, and and now, all these some, people I mean, I'm gonna show them exactly what, what what it is. I ain't gonna lie, I got some records to send you. That's probably like they like you know I'm definitely gonna get your opinion on the records I've been working on and stuff yeah, like that. Let's do it. Cause that's like that's where it's about to go, you know what I'm saying? Cause yeah. the thing about it is like club music never you know never got to where it needs to go. You know what I'm saying? As for what it is for Baltimore, you know what I'm saying? Like it it went out and and you know it's, you know little people took you know people took bits and pieces of it and all that stuff, but it never came through as a movement for what it is with artists and you know and singers and all that stuff. Like that's what we trying to do. You know what I'm saying? Bring that whole vibe to it. So it's like even even with the slowed down versions of it, it's the same type of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like we trying to come through with a whole culture, and like that's what we about to do with it. So we it's definitely about to be crazy. Now, when when you talked about when you talk about like, like slowing it down, like the and like in, in some rap, the um I think like the the key song that kind of comes to my mind is the um is the old joint that that boss man did back in the day with Ra, with Raw Lee, right? Like oh yeah, yeah. Right so like is um um is it like a um is it like a way to pinpoint like the first like Baltimore club uh producer who like said oh fuck it we're just gonna slow it down so people can rap on it or something like that? We actually all actually a, a bunch of us did records like that. I, I'm personally I did um that record Yo Yo Trav. I did one with that. I did one with um. It was a record called Ghost in My House. I sampled that and it slowed it down a little bit. And um I know Lab Tech Lab Tech had one. I know um it was a couple people that had joints that, you know, where they slowed it, you know, kind of slowed the pace down on it. And, you know, it it, it didn't get super attention, but it, you know, it did what it did. But it, it wasn't really until around that time when Raw Lee did that and like bankroll and those joints where it really started, people were starting to see like, damn, this, you know, cause this that's that sound is, you know, what it is. Using that same bass kit, you know what I'm saying? Like that's yeah. I, when people stop fighting that. I feel like that's when we're really gonna get, you know, get where we need to be in this city. That's my opinion. Because I've been telling people that all day. I've been telling people that all day. Like you know, you gotta have something unique and original, and like you know, yeah. nobody is taking it and running with it. That's what they. That's what. That's what. They, that's what they looking for. That's even right now, the industry's looking for that next place you know what i'm saying they is they didn't they didn't been everywhere you know what i'm saying like everybody else has got theirs it's like yo so now can we really realize what our sound is and can we get it you know what i'm saying it's there you just gotta you know, just gotta do it that's mm. why i was happy when I, when I saw take our sign i was like hell yeah that's now and that's why i put that post up that day i was like yo people you see all that stuff that everybody else doing you see what's getting picked up you know what i'm saying exactly. like like that's just what it is Hmm. And that was so, off of, I don't know if they even sold that. That was just off of DJ spending it on mix shows and stuff and in the clubs. Hmm. So, okay, so so based on what you just said about bankroll, so bankrolls is considered um, a club beat. Mm-hmm. 
because I was I was always kind of like on the fence with like because I mean you because you can you can obviously tell that it comes from Baltimore Club, but it's it's like it's kind of like always been it like in um in between in my eyes like kind of like um the the same with um with uh Smash's song from mm-hmm. from a while back like yeah. it's club but it's not it's like it's in between like kind of like these hybrid songs that yep. that tend to pop off you know like a, a, a um like further beyond Baltimore to like other realms yeah it's just it's just the elements of it that that you know that give it that you know the elements really give it that you know the fact that you know it's from Baltimore just the, the, the from the sounds and stuff like that and then the, the patterns of the drums and stuff where you know it's like all right this is just a kind of a slow down type of club beat you know what i'm saying and that's mm-hmm. the thing it's just you know it's, it's just, you know having those elements in there and having those patterns in there is just like all right this is this is what it is like you said it's like a hybrid mm, and so in bank rolls the the beats of bank rolls it has that um mysterious um asr bass kicking yeah. yep it's in there <laughs> you know what i'm saying so, so like <laughs> Sorry, so like I don't like so like when 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 you see like Raw Lee and you know you Raw Lee and I don't know who else Black Star or you know or DJ Spin you all all come around. Do y'all ever like to sit around and just keep on talking about this? Got this damn bass kick. Yeah, I mean everybody know about it. You know what I'm saying? Everybody knows what it is. Everybody <laughs> has it. So it's no secret to you know anybody in the circle. You know what I'm saying? That you know and it's. And everybody, got, you know, everybody got it. If it's floating around, if you get, if you get any kit that says Baltimore, it's guaranteed that it's probably in there. You know what I'm saying? And that's the thing. And, and it's just at that point, it's knowing how to EQ it and knowing, you know, how to place it the right. You know what I'm saying the right way? Because some people have it, don't really know what to do with it or how to use it or whatever. But it's just a, it's a, it's just a, it's a thing. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like we got our own kind of, you know, kind of thing. You know, I kind of vibe with it the same way that. You know, in the in the nineties, the you know those New York cats, they knew exactly how to EQ those those certain drums and stuff like that. They knew exactly what to do with them. They get that sound. You know what I'm saying? Like D and D Studios produced a certain amount of things. Like everything that came out of there came out of there was was crazy. You know what I'm saying? Everything in that era when when um Rockefeller was doing stuff out of baseline. Every you know it, everybody has their own kind of thing where it's like, all right, damn, this shit is, this is, this is what's theirs, you know what I'm saying, and we just got, you know, we got that, that's one of those things, and even, even the million different ways that you can chop Sing Sing, you know what I'm saying, that's another mm-hmm. thing, like, everybody got that record, but yeah. knowing how to chop it the right way and do the right things with it is a different story, you know what I'm saying, Man, like, I- that's a common record, everybody, especially mm-hmm. anybody that's an old school DJ, they all got, everybody got that record. I remember, um, you know, trying to chop think because, you know, I was like, man, I ain't going to mess with these uh, packs. What I'm going to do is all yeah. myself. And so, like, the think, the interesting thing about that is, like, it's a vocal sample that's kind of at the end of the loop. Yeah. And then if you don't want to get that sample, you got to chop another part of it and yeah. then sit yep. back and make a whole nother thing. And when I discovered that, I was like, damn, like, these dudes was really on to something because you yeah, got to really this- go in and do it. Yeah, when you really look back at it, it's like, yo, it was it's it's more of a science than people think. Like when they listen to the tracks, they they sound real stripped down, but it's way more of a science than and you can tell it is because if not, more people would have emulated the way we was doing it. But they can't. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They can't I've been in the studio where people was asking about it and all that kind of stuff, and they just they can't figure it out. You know what I'm saying? 
And these are records that everybody has. So it's not like we got some secret stash of records that everybody using. Mm. Like, these are common records. You know what I'm saying? Everybody got that record at some point, you know. And these records, you can just pull it up on the internet and download it anytime you want. You know what I'm saying? So do you still go like to these records and like still go like do you still like go through them every now and again like to see if you can find like any like a little tidbit that you just never really caught on to? But I can back only imagine that you found everything that you're gonna find in that song by now. Yeah, I mean, I got I got so many like million different variations of of it, even down to each little you know drum that you can catch. You know, getting all of those and trying to like replay some weird pattern. You know what I'm saying, like. But you know, it's always it's always fun to try to go back and see if it's something else there, or you know, like now I be trying to find. Um, it was a lot of like uh, African records, and you know, it was a lot of records like that that had these crazy breaks. You know, what I'm saying like these Afro funk type records yeah, had yeah. little slick breaks too. That you know, what I'm saying like it's stuff in there that you can grab too. That's just like with you know, people like yo, what the hell is that? You know, what I'm saying like so it's, it's a lot you can do with it. Yeah, I was so, messing with some stuff one time, like, I took some go-go when I spread it up, and I was like, yo, like, this joint can really bridge a lot of gaps right here. Yeah, yo, see, that's, and that, that's the type of mentality that we be on, like, just trying to find something that's, you know, that's slick, and, it's, and you know, it's something that, you know, because it's all, like I said, at the end of the day, it's all about people trying to dance to it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So, like, when you're, like, talking to the Jawans of the Baltimore club scene, and you know they like they they're showing you like you know their their kid or whatever like that, or if they ever show it to you, or you ever like oh not nah, nah, little homie you ain't chopped that shit up right or something like that, or your your components of like a certain song that you really need to make it club or or make it hit, you know for um, whatever he's trying whatever whatever that person's trying to do with it. Yeah, I mean, if I, I'll definitely lend a uh, you know lend an ear and. And any suggestions, if I see something, you know, see something where they can enhance it, I'll definitely, you know, let people know about that all day, every day. You know what I'm saying? That's just part of being a, you know, like being a natural producer. I'll be like, you know, I'll definitely, because that's what we did with each other. You know what I'm saying? All mm-hmm. the time. It's like, yo, that's, you know, we was some of our own biggest critics. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got to find something more. If I was stuck certain places, I would call Griff or something like that. I'd be like, yo, I, I need something. Some, this needs something. I don't know what it is. You know what I'm saying? That kind of thing. So we, we always did that all the time. Mm. Just bounce ideas off each other, you know what I'm saying? Because that's you know that's one of the things that that I miss about those days too. Because it was you know everybody had little, it was little studios that it would, people would be at, or a big place to meet with everybody would be record stores. You know what I'm saying? Like we were all running to each other in record stores. So when you run into each other in record stores, you always got a, a tape or a CD with the tracks that you did, and you can go go out to the car listen to something, you know what I'm saying, get inspiration. You know, it was just a whole, like, that. I missed that aspect of it. That's the one thing about the internet that, you know, I missed that, you know, face-to-face, like, you know, we're in a record store, we, you know, let me hear that, we go play in the car, or you go go stop at somebody else's club that you don't normally go to and hear what they doing or how they playing a certain record, or, you know, like, that kind of thing. Nowadays, everybody playing the same records. Back then, each club had their own hits, you know what I'm saying, like, mm-hmm. Oh no, nah, they doing this at Paradox. So, because we was we were mainly a Paradox based uh, crew because our main man Rod Braxton and Sean C- Sean Caesar started in um in Fantasy, and then Rod Braxton, you know, after Sean Caesar, you know, kind of had his run. Rod Braxton was the man at the Paradox, so we was feeding him all the tracks, and he was banging them joints crazy. So we had our own thing going on there. 
But over at Hammerjacks was, you know, Kenny B, DJ Booby, those dudes. You know what I'm saying? So we would bounce, go to their spot, see what they playing. You know what I'm saying? Then you had Techniques. He was playing somewhere else. And then, you know, all these different producers had their own pockets. They was playing their own tracks. Cause that's what, you know, got you recognized as a DJ. It wasn't, we all got the same shit. We all going to play the same shit. You know what I'm saying? You wasn't, you didn't stand out like that. You know what I'm saying? That's mm-hmm. the reason that we started making our own tracks was so you could stand out. You know what I'm saying? So like with the internet being like, you know, so like, you know, prevalent nowadays and, you know, there aren't as many clubs in Baltimore as there were, you know, back in the day, um, has, has your, um, you know, style of like EQing your drums and stuff like that, has that changed over time or have you even heard other producers that you know personally, I haven't mentioned anything about, you know, them changing, you know, to, to make the club tracks, you know, better, for, you know, for headphones or like cars and stuff like that. Um, personally, it hasn't really changed that much. I'm a little more conscious of uh, MP3s and in the, you know, the amount of threshold they got. So you can't, you know, especially when people start trading MP3s and you know they sending, you know, like you know sending around something that's less than a 192 bit rate. It's like yeah. You know, if you're doing like a 128 or something, you know, something crazy, it's like, yo, you crunching like the sound so stupid. And, you know, so we try to, you know, I don't, I'm not really, I still make stuff the way I make it. You know, they, there's there's certain limitations with the, with digital gear, just, in, you know, just in general, as opposed to when we was doing it, just, you know, through a, a mix board and sending it to the DAT. You know what I'm saying? It's just a, you know, it's certain, you know, certain levels that you got to cut back on, you know, just in general, because, it's going to distort a little more, you know, a lot more through the digital equipment. But, you know, besides that, I still make it, you know, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know a lot of like, you can, you can kind of hear, you know, some of the newer cast that, that kind of make stuff, you know, they know they're just making it for the, and they not met, might not necessarily be making it for the club. You know what I'm saying? That might not even be their intentions or I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But you can hear it. You can kind of hear yeah, yeah. what it is. You know what I'm saying? Even if you listen to, you know, the, to the average mix on 92Q or something, you can hear in the, in the songs that, you know, certain ones sound thinner, certain ones sound a different way. You know what I'm saying? My stuff, I still make it for, that's got to get played in the paradise. That's how I make my trash. I always did it. And that's how, you know, that's how mm. it's always going to be with me. Yeah. You, uh, you know, like, um, uh, when, <laughs> uh, you know, during my time at UMES, um, you know, when we would have like a, you know, like little, I guess, get togethers or, or if, if I would just, party you know by the time wi-fi you know wi-fi was crazy um and you know you know i I guess like audio files like us you know we all we we just hate when these fucking impromptu youtube parties come out of nowhere and people start playing shit over their phone but like to me personally there's nothing worse than someone blasting a baltimore club song through their phone off of youtube it just doesn't sound right it's horrible, yeah. yeah. Oh. oh man, so like I can only imagine. Like, um, have you ever been like in a situation where you're at someone's house and they, they just like do that, and you just like really get annoyed by it? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't like certain things. I just like like the the sound. Some certain sounds just kills me. Like it's like yo, you gotta you know <laughs> you gotta do it a little bit. Like I even remember back when um uh you know the unruly days when um. We had we had cut a deal. Um, I forgot the dude. He was he played for the Ravens, 
What's his name? Wide receiver. What's his name? Michael Jackson or something like that. <laughs> Michael. It was, it was um, weird. It was Michael something, and he um he actually came down and he was you know you know how athletes get into their thing where they want to you know start putting out music and stuff. So he had a, a label called Big Play, and he had this you know this big state of the art studio um, downtown, and um so we was you know going in to do this club album on there. So I, you know, every all the producers had their own contribution to the album. So I, you know, I did my joint, took it down there. He had all these, you know, big time audio engineers and stuff, and um, so they started mixing the record, and I'm like, yo, this sounds like shit. Like it sounded so bad because they compressed everything. They, you know, oh, this has to be this threshold, and this has to be this amount of decibels, and even to this day, when you hear this, I did a it was a record called I, I sampled the um. You know the the the, the Puerto Rico um, hip hop record, like, Puerto Rico, oh that shit. Oh yeah, like yeah, I sampled yeah. it and made it a club joint. So if you hear when you hear it, it never it never got realized how it was supposed to be because when they pressed it up, number one they put a bunch of records on on one vinyl instead of making double vinyl. And when you make you know the more songs you put on vinyl, the the the, the sound degrades. So that was number one. Number two, they compressed all of these club records so bad. That they sounded terrible. I mean, I never sound. I never heard of club records that it drained. It drained all the energy out of the record. Like it was no energy in the record. It sounded like I don't even know what the fuck it sounded. It it made me hate my own song. Saying that just like yo, this shit is terrible. Yo. Like we got you know good little check from it, but that shit to this day it sounds terrible. I don't even. I don't even think I even got a copy of it no more. Outside of the vinyl, I might have it here somewhere, but that shit now, is terrible. Now, so and you and. You say Baltimore Club is like strictly like pretty much like a like a like a vinyl thing, but um, you know in the in the midst of you know you guys pressing up like you know um, all all this vinyl, did you guys also um, uh, make uh, cassettes of um, of these club mixes too? Yeah, I mean the cassettes was more for like DJ mixes though. They was like um, at, at at one point when we was making all this stuff, then you know all the DJs was making you know making the club tape so. Mostly, I, I care. I don't think anybody ever did. Uh, I mean, they, we might have did like samplers with a couple of joints on there, but we never really sold anything as far as cassette. Only because you know, listening to you know three songs, the six minutes a piece of just club, you know, just listening to it in that kind of setting, it just wasn't. You know, nobody would buy that. They would buy a mix CD because you got a mix of all the songs, but just having that one song, unless it was a song that had vocals or something on it, but. You know, so it was mainly they were mainly uh, reserved for mix CD, you know, mixtapes and stuff. Mm -hmm. As far as the set, it was just DJ mixes. Mm, cool, but um, it's yeah, it's something about like th this YouTube shit, man. Like whenever I hear like uh, like someone blasting Baltimore club music on YouTube, it's like something with like with the percussion. And, you know, like the percussion is is mad grimy anyway. You have like the mixture of like that, you know, the vinyl crackle, the dust, you know, all this other mm -hmm. type of stuff. And then like when it gets transferred over to like some some sound system, you just get out of like Radio Shack or some shit real quick and put all these subwoofers um attached subwoofers to them. It is shattered glass. Yeah. <laughs> to a certain extent and then it's so bad and now it's something about I guess like the way it like hits off the walls it bounces back to like the track and like the shit is like kind of off beat but I guess if you're drunk enough you know for full local or something at least right, on those right. times uh, you probably don't <laughs> care that much but me like it would just kill me inside 
Oh uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's crazy. It's it's nothing worse than like something that sound like that that bad, you know, crazy like that stupid sound. I can't like it's it's horrible. Like that's the thing. Like the the wrong mix. Like I said, it, could, it can totally drain the energy out of a record, especially records that's made for high energy and dancing and shit. Like you can't have something that just where the where the, the sonics of it makes it that bad. You know what I'm saying? Because you're gonna drain that whole record out. You know what I'm saying? Like it's and it'll be terrible. Like that that record that I did, it's terrible. Like it's, it, I mean, I can't. There's no other way to even describe it. Like when the drum's supposed to hit, it's supposed to be crazy. It it gets it gets compressed and squeezed so bad that it's no energy to it. It's just one tone through the whole record. I'm like, yo, this shit is horrible. I was so pissed off because that record was slick to me. And I like, I wish I I don't even know where to diss. I wish I would have had. I would have put that shit back out the way it was supposed to be put out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that was the one the one of the moments where I was like, yeah, this is so terrible. Mm, so like when, uh, so like when you're like um, mixing like a like like I, I guess at this point like you have like you know the certain presets that you just already know like what you're going to do um, with uh, with certain things right at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I got, yeah, now I got, uh, you know, everything is all, you know, in, in reason or I can, you know, I can, you know, everything is, is all there for me to just, you know, take and, you know, I can just chop stuff off now, you know, just chop, like, as far as the basics, you know what I'm saying? Like, all that stuff is already there, ready to go. Mm-hmm. Like, so, like, so, like. So like right now, for example, so like um you you were talking about you know like um like I guess like Afrobeat and stuff like that, trying to implement that more in, in into club music. You notice like is there like a particular genre, um like that that like some of like the younger Baltimore club producers are are like trying like to play with when it comes to like you know new break beats or like just new sounds. Period. Um, as far as the younger cat, I don't know. I think they really just. Just their rendition of, you know, carrying over what we did. Like, they, you know, they kind of keep the the tradition of the drums for the most part. And then I think they playing a little more with the sounds, like as far as the synths and that kind of stuff. But as far as the basics of, you know, chopping up a certain vocal and, you know, that kind of stuff is pretty much going to be, you know, pretty much the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I can see that. Because... Oh, yeah. But not yeah, because... Yeah, because like I guess if you um, if you take the drums out of Baltimore Club, then I mean, in a sense, you kind of kill it to a certain. Yeah, yeah, to it's, a certain it's, all, it's definitely all about the drums. It's, it's no doubt about it. The drums, you know, that's what drives. I mean, but that's what drives everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, but you know, even even as far as the vocals and stuff, it's, none of that stuff is anything without without the drums. Because it's all about, you know, like I said, it's all about people dancing and stuff. That's the main thing. Like, it's right. all about that. So as long as you got that as a good basis, then you can always, you know, kind of weave whatever you want into it. You know what I'm saying? That's why I said, I, you know, we trying to take it R&B, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Whatever it is. Like, but it's all driven off of that. Like, that's the, the main thing. Right. Man, this is, <laughs> this has been a really enlightening Especially like this whole this thing about the bass kick that I just never I never knew because you know I've um 
I don't produce like I, um, I, I don't really produce like club tracks like um like my cousin does, but um like because I'm more like I'm more of like a, I guess an electro person, so I've always kind of messed with um electro to a certain extent. But mm. I've always downloaded like different club kicks, um kits, and I've always mm. seen that fucking bass kick, and I'm like I don't know what this is, and like oh I've always played it, and I'm like this is like a seven oh seven and eight oh eight, like you know what is it? Yeah, it's like, oh. I don't even know what what's like within it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's an eight or eight man somewhere, but it's it's filtered with some other stuff that I, I have no idea, and I, I don't I mean, even try to find. I don't even really want to know. I just know you know what I'm saying. It's magical. <laughs> I mean, you know it seems magical, yeah, but like it's like like um because it's like because then I don't know if I if I, if I'm getting because like sometimes you know you you know if you download like a Baltimore club kit you know it, it, everything you know it's bound to be like different shit in there or like you know even like like the the typical drums that you that you hear you know they're chopped up a bit differently you know but like you know yeah. certain like subtleties and, sh- and stuff like that but the bass kick is the bass kick is usually always the same and you can always like hear like that that crackle you know that that crackle and that dust in, in the back so I'm just like I don't know what the hell this is yeah it's definitely it's definitely muddy and it's is even the the end part of it ain't even fully you know truncated right it's this is but you know, if you EQ it the right way, it's gonna sound. I mean, it gives you it gives you a fullness that you just you know, there's nothing you could do. Like it's just it perfectly fits with that stuff. Like all the other things that you do is like a it's like the glue to everything else. It's like once you get all your other things that you got going on, once you drop that kick in there, that shit just makes everything fit together. Mm-hmm. And it's weird with that, whatever it is. But it, it, and there's no other. There's no other kick that because I got a million and one, you know, eight oh eights and kicks and all that kind of stuff. But it's nothing that sounds like that one. Yeah. Now, have you ever have you ever like dealt with the um, with the electro? Um, like played like dealt around that genre a little bit, like in the in the mid eighties or whatever, like that. Yeah, yeah. I was a fan of all of that stuff. I was definitely a fan of you know, like even even the stuff that even if I didn't know what it was, you know, I like hearing all different kinds of, you know, like the, those different kinds, you know, different kinds of sounds and, and seeing what they did to, you know, to, to do that kind of stuff. So I was, you know, I was definitely a fan of that stuff. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, with this, um, uh, I guess in closing, because I, I can probably just go on like all night. I'm sure my uh, co my cousin can too <laughs> about all these questions, <laughs> but yeah, love music, but, um, um, if like if um well you know we, we all know how big Kraftwerk was you know when it come when it comes to like you know Africa Mambada and everything like that so like was there like a, a specific um you know uh, element of Kraftwerk that kind of like played into club music at all or was it just strictly house? Yeah, no, nah, it was it was that influence because you know like I said we were we were all you know like hardcore hip hop heads and all of that stuff was a part of hip hop, you know what I'm saying? Like all of those records, like, and even the, even the, you know, electro stuff, it was a lot of stuff coming from, from overseas, even stuff that, you know, to this day, I might not even know some of the, like, I still have some of those records and, you know, cause they were classic records at some point, but it's just, you know, those elements, all of that stuff was just an influence, you know, just from DJing a lot of that stuff, you know what I'm saying? Cause we actually played, you know, played some of those records of those records, if it was electro record, it was popular, then we was playing it somewhere, and that was, you know, that just added to, you know, the whole thing, especially, like, the early 80s, and, you know, you get, like, Mantronics and stuff they was doing, and, uh, I mean, it was, you know, like you said, Kraftwerk, and 
Um, I mean, it was so many different, you know, things like that, that kind of just, they all, you know, even like, you know, um, Arabian Prince and, uh, I mean, it's so many different joints, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that just made it, you know, it was all a part of that big melting pot that, you know, that went into us having that influence, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like that was a, you know, cause like I said, it, the basis of it was house because it was, we was a house town. So, you know, we had, we was, you know, well-versed in house music, but it was all that stuff that kind of, you know, poured into it. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was, I can't, I can't name one, one super strong influence, you know what I'm saying? But it, it all, it all made sense in what we was doing. Mm-hmm. Like at some point, all of those records. That's the thing about it. That was so cool. It's like, yo, we, you know, we had, and, you know, just being from, you know, being a, a Baltimore DJ period, you had to, you, if you, you know, if you was playing at a, you know, at a high level, you had to know how to play all of those records, especially if you're doing like college, the college scene, cause you got to play everything within a night. You know what I'm saying? Like I had to learn about go-go. I had to learn about a lot. I had to learn about reggae. I had to learn about a lot of stuff that, you know, West Indian music, all that. Cause they all, all those different pockets of people was in those parties. You know what I'm saying? So you got to satisfy all of them at some point. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember the Go-Go cast bringing up cassette tapes because, you know, a lot of that stuff wasn't even on record. You know what I'm saying? So I would be playing, the, you know, the cassette tapes that they were bringing from home, like certain songs and certain Go-Go's that they was going to, and they, you know, just let the whole party out. So, you know, they ain't really care. They ain't know if I was playing. But made, most of the crowd ain't know that it was coming from a cassette. They just knew, you know, that I was up on whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it was just, you know, all that stuff was a, was a major influence, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah. Well, um, once more, yeah. This has been a very enlightening um conversation episode. Period. Like I, I think you know, coming out of this personally for me, um, you know, listening to all to all of your stories, I have I have a, a just a new respect for Baltimore club music, especially story behind this mysterious bass kick that we never knew about. <laughs> I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see if I can find the origin of it a little better. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Arctic. Um, all right. Well, I guess we're having some technical difficulties, but um, but yeah, but uh, if if you could stay on real quick. Um, but yeah. So this has been the Channel Ten podcast. Uh, thank every, thank you, uh, everyone for listening, and uh, thanks again, thanks again, uh, one one more time. I'm Boo Man for coming on and just with us and, you know, just sharing your stories about Baltimore club music. And so, you know, so we can get a chance to document this oral history um, for Baltimore and everything like that. Different plane now, man. So good. Well, what up? All good, baby. In every hood, son. Well, what up? Yep. CNN, Network Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo. Crime lace. Cast more beef than Scarface. CNN, Network Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo. Crime lace.